What's up? Welcome to episode 153 of the Kickass Irreverent Gaming Podcast from Affable Idiots. I'm Chad Michael Ennis. We've got Holden Depardo. We've got Holden Depardo. Hold on, say hi or something. There you go. Nice. <laughs> We've got Brent Gillahan. What's up? Say hey, dude. Yo, what's up? Hey, dude. Nice, nice, nice. And we've got the dreamiest <laughs> fan base of all time joining us from all over the world as soon as right now, streaming live on Twatch. Every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern, you can put us in video. your ears. Oh, your video. Yeah, heads up, straight up off the bat. Uh, <laughs> Holden's video is going to be getting bigger and smaller. <laughs> if you're watching the YouTube version, he's going to be getting bigger and smaller throughout the episode. That's just like... The good old coronavirus internet, everyone's on it, and his resolution is just snapping smaller and larger and smaller and larger as Skype adjusts. But uh, yeah, my internet has a very high regardless. fever right now. It's not doing too well. Very I'm good. I'm watching it on stream. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to bother to try to fix it every time it jumps because it's, it's jumping so much. Uh, that's right. We are on YouTube. We are on Twitch. We've gone to the third dimension with 2D video. And if you want to add the fourth dimension of time, you can do that by watching us record it on twitch.tv slash halfableidiots every Sunday night at around 8 p.m. Eastern, like we're doing right now. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by... Tico, that is affable idiots. It sounded like halfable idiots. Affable, affable idiots. idiots could be a thing. <laughs> a half a uh, cup I'm, of idiots. I'm copywriting that. Damn it. Are you going to re- weird Alice? <laughs> You're going to make a parody channel? <laughs> That's it for housekeeping. Brent, I would love... Entire... You've been on our show a trillion times. Actually, like... F- this I? is your fourth time, I think? Quattro Sanyos Tienes? Third. Third time? Um, yeah. you, you have a new podcast, though, you want to tell the world about, though, right? Do I? wish. I thought you did, didn't you? Didn't you have something new that you guys just started doing, or maybe you pick back up your other podcast? Or well, you have oh, you yeah. have something so, to tell the world about? Yeah, um, I also have the uh, Uncultured Opinions podcast. Been doing yeah, that movie it. podcast, and then oh, I thought you were talking about the other thing. Me and a buddy from Twitter are working on a uh, PlayStation podcast, the Untitled PlayStation podcast. So that's gonna Ooh, cool. that's going to win best game of the year at GDC. I heard. <laughs> Is it though? <laughs> Oh, foreshadowing because the GDC awards are this year or this week. I don't know why that's my comedy shtick is to just ask. Is it though? (laughs) (laughs) Dope. Well, that's it for housekeeping. You guys know Brent. You love him. He's back. Great. Awesome. Uh, We're going to start with how we've started the last few times, and that's with Game Court, attorney-based strategy for determining game character guilt. Does anyone get the the joke in there? Like turn-based strategy game, but it's attorney-based strategy. Get it? Get it? <laughs> Fuck you all! Every week we put your favorite video game characters and villains on trial for the me. character. <laughs> for I the... was in on the joke. I was aware. Okay, okay. I'm dead serious. That was actually kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. I was so proud of that. Uh, we put them on trial for the, hel- the heinous crimes that they've committed. Holden and Brent will argue for and against the defendant, and it's up to you to decide on Twitter in the following days the fate of said character. This week, our defendant is none other than Dixie Kong. <gasps> That's right. We have video evidence. <laughs> oh, actually, before we move on, before any news cases can be presented, we actually have to, to show the verdict of our past two cases. Uh, we forgot to do this last week, so we have two to reveal. You guys voted on Twitter that Mario has been found guilty for the murder of the baby penguin being dropped off the edge of the world. Uh, he will be sentenced to death. 
Bail can be purchased for a one-up mushroom. Oh, wow. Apparently, when you get the death sentence, you're also allowed bail. <laughs> so, uh, Link was on trial last week for vandalism. Hey, uh, and so- yes. If, I, Brent, if I'm a I lawyer, can I bail Mario out? Ooh, that's a conflict Anyone of interest. Anyone can bail Mario out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should just say. This is game sure. court. This is game court. <laughs> there are rules. This is like Judge Judy or Judge Joe Brown, but with me now, the Honorable Chad Michael Ennis presiding. <clears throat> uh, last week, Link has been charged and found guilty of vandalism and stealing rupees. Because he is a minor, on top of returning all stolen rupees, he will need to dedicate... Ooh, held in a burp there. Dedicate community hours helping the cursed family of Kakariko find all their missing gold sculptulas to alleviate their curse. Fun fact, did you guys know that the spiders in Zelda are pronounced Skulltula, not Skulltula or Skulltula? It's a portmanteau of skull and tarantula. We just learned that about 20 minutes ago. Blew my mind. (laughs) But for now, we are, (laughs) I have this video that we will present as evidence of Dixie Kong and Diddy Kong on a roller coaster in crazy Kremland. And you can clearly see the both of them falling to their deaths off the tracks. <clears throat> it was, uh, it's not up to me to decide the crime itself. <laughs> That's up to the defendant and the prosecutor. <laughs> prosecutor is, I forgot already. You guys, who's going first? I'm the prosecutor. Hold on the prosecutor. All rise for the Honorable Judge Chad Michael Linus. <laughs> <laughs> you guys need to rise. <laughs> Will you, will you please stand? No. I don't like I this court. To. This court's unfair. This court You're is 100% order. biased. You're out of order. <laughs> I was a little tempted when contempt. Chad said the Honorable Chad Michael Ennis. I said I was going to pull a liar liar and go, Honorable. <laughs> <laughs> In your bra. This court's 100% biased. I am here just Chad, as a moderator. Chad was the prosecutor and the judge. That That's not even fair. <laughs> it was my Chad, second actually, he personality. Wasn't. He was exactly second personality. <laughs> and they were much more strict. Uh, yes, I will be the judge today, <laughs> just overseeing and and moderating the courtroom while Holden will prosecute Dixie and uh, Brent will defend Dixie Kong's actions. Um, <clears throat> I will turn it over first to the prosecutor. Holden, what do you have to say? Yeah, this is obviously a case of Dixie Kong herself acting in an inappropriate manner. The crazy Kremlin, the amusement park in question here, I'm going to read a quote. Uh, this is a description of the amusement park. Crazy Kremlin was probably an amusement park uh, for Kremlings, but the fact that it's an amusement park is not what is contested there, just that it was an amusement park for Kremlings. With roller coasters and giant Ferris uh, wheels, odd gay gauze, um, colored ca- caravan tents, and other fun rides for attractions. But the entire park fell t- uh, into ruin for unknown reasons, becoming an abandoned, crumbling Luna Park. In the ruins of this park, there are the old abandoned attractions, like some roller coasters, which they are, quote, deadly and really dangerous. And their traits, sorry, their trails are often broken and with holes. Dixie Kong put herself into a terrible situation and should be charged for the negligence, but also the suicide manslaughter involved, since this was not a purposeful murder, but simply negligence that resulted in the death of herself and others. Will you state your source, please? Oh, the source is a uh, um, Donkey Kong Country fan website. <laughs> that's, that's what the description is. Sustained! <laughs> 
Thank you. I tried to find the actual manual, but I'd have to buy it on eBay in order to get the actual manual, get the real description. So you know, you that, could. He's not even committed to justice. Excuse me. <laughs> objection. Wait your turn. <laughs> <laughs> the prosecution yields most of their time to the defense. All right. Defense. What do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> Your Honor. <laughs> Your Honor, if you'll give me the floor, please. The floor is yours and the tables. All right. I just want to point out that this is a young, scared girl, right? She's trying to protect her brother, okay? She's being chased by this, like, this creature. She's in this place that she didn't She didn't try to go there. It's not her fault. She's, like, she's on a quest, and she's being attacked. Like, what do you expect someone to do? She's fearing for her life. She jumps at the wrong moment because she's just so terrified. I can't I can't be serious right now. <laughs> I'm dressed very seriously. I've put on my judge's robe. I have my judge's powdered wig on. Please continue your arguments. Is that supposed to be the powdered wig? Yes. <laughs> I was gonna say Brent is very culturally insensitive of you to make fun of. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I had at arm's reach okay it's a bathrobe shut up <laughs> I okay I hear that you are uh, playing to the ethos of the situation uh, she's caring for her brother makes a, a, a wrong turn what is a uh, uh, prosecution what do you have to say in response I don't buy it for, for a second to say that it was simply a scared child going into an amusement park and that she wasn't there on her own volition she walked into the park got in the um the cart on the roller coaster dodged several enemies objection. and was jumping across and no objections i am in my uh, time uh, right uh, excuse now. me i'm the judge <laughs> what's your objection your honor she's on a quest to protect her i didn't play this game but whatever she's on her quest for <laughs> and her, her quest led her to this amusement park she didn't walk in because she felt like it Sustained. <laughs> I still would say that in this amusement park, it is a closed, abandoned amusement park. To say that she couldn't have walked around it and gone a different way is patently ridiculous. Obviously, she could have made it uh, some other way, but chose to go into a, quote, deadly and really dangerous, end quote, amusement park named Crazy Kremland. Do you have any evidence, she like signage to support that is deadly and dangerous? The description speaks for itself. It is a closed amusement park. Also, beyond a lack of signage, there was no signage. The roller coaster itself has holes in its tracks and large gaps, which are very visible from a distance. She also... How many people walk through an amusement park by getting on a roller coaster? Most people just walk through it. You don't need to get... The, the roller coaster would just bring you right back to where you started again. It wouldn't actually progress you anywhere throughout the park. She was there to have fun, and that was very dangerous and, quote, deadly. Thank you. Defense, do you case. have anything to say? Your Honor, that is all. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Game Court. All rise. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> that is it. I will take off my wig and my gown. And that's it for Game Court. Go to twitter.com slash respawnaimfire where we will have a poll <laughs> pinned as our pinned tweet for the week. Vote for whether or not Dixie Kong is guilty. What's the charge, Mr. Prosecutor? 
Um, manslaughter or suicide? It's manslaughter because it's it wasn't actively manslaughter, trying to okay. murder someone with. Okay. It was it was a it was an accident that led to someone's death. Is Dixie is Dixie guilty of manslaughter suicide or is she innocent? Tell us and we will report next week. Uh, we're going to move on and talk about the thing that we always talk about on this podcast every single time throughout every single episode throughout. This is a great episode so far. Here we go. Playtime. <laughs> <laughs> Play, oh, I'm going to get rid of this off the screen. Playtime. I'm going to start with uh, Holden, since you have not played Doom, and I know that Doom's going to be a big yes. topic of conversation. We're going to get all your shit out of the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, Animal Crossing will definitely be a big topic. Oh, start talking about Animal Crossing. I'm about to pour this water. <laughs> yeah, so I played Animal Crossing, but I want to get to something else that I think we maybe we all played first. Um, before we jump into that, uh, did we all play Resident Evil 3 remake demo? <gasps> no. Yes, I did. I did. I played that. Chad, you, you gave me the floor, but you're more of the Resident Evil aficionado here. Am what I? What do you think of the Resident Evil 3 remake demo? Uh, I would not call myself a Resident Evil aficionado. I have played a lot of the games. I, I would. I have not played 3 like, before. Compared to me, Here's you a fun definitely thing. are. <clears throat> I, a lot of Resident Evil 2, which I had never played more than like a few, maybe an hour or so on PS1, seemed really familiar to me. And then going through Resident Evil, I was like, man, this looks, Resident Evil 3 looks familiar too. I played Umbrella Chronicles. Do you know what Umbrella Chronicles is? Nope. It's the on-rails the light gun out. shooter for Wii that takes you through the story <laughs> of Resident Evil 0 through 3. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's how I know all this shit. Um, but yeah, Resident Evil 3. I loved Resident Evil 2 a ton, and it was one of the scariest games I've ever played in my entire life. Resident Evil 3, I found the demo. I was not as scared during it. I don't know whether it's because I'm older and braver now that I'm 30, but um, I found that I was, I feel like Resident Evil 2, I hadn't quite learned the way to play that game where it's like run through situations, excuse me, run through situations that you know you can get around, maybe just shoot them once or twice to stagger them while you can get by if you don't need to come back that direction versus just wasting all your ammo on the the torso of something so i feel like it was really strategic right off the bat with my ammo use and how i got through things but i wasn't as scared i was not surprised really like any jump scares or anything like that but i did have a good time like it like solving like not necessarily the puzzle i'm gonna put puzzles in quotes because it's like find the bolt cutters and then cut open the chains in a couple places to get the shotgun if you can remember that is there but um (laughs) i had a good time with it i the the one thing that I'm really concerned about going to this game, I'm gonna get it. I pre-ordered it for sure. Uh, the one thing I'm really concerned about going into this game is how OP um, Nemesis is, because when you get to him in the demo, he can jump all over the map. If you run away from him, he can throw something at you and reel you back in. Uh, he can jump right in front of you and stop you. Like and and he's literally invulnerable. Like, nothing you can do can hurt him. So, like, that was obnoxious a little bit the first time going through it because he killed me, like, pretty much right off the bat. And then I was able to, like, run and get away from him. But after being attacked and hit several times and needing to use herbs a lot. So, I'm not sure if in the main game whether that's going to become a hindrance that's, like, obnoxious because it's not able to become overcome or whether there's going to be strategy and how you can actually avoid him or get past him. Similar like with Mr. X, like you could find places to run or you could like lead him. Like if you were in the library, you could like climb up a ladder and then you'd have to wait for him to jump and then you could like run down the other side, that kind of stuff. But with Nemesis being able to literally like jump all over the map at a moment's notice and pull you out of places, I don't know. That, that concerns me. 
But the game says it was beautiful. Freaking gorgeous game. The RE engine is delicious. I just want to lick my screen all the time. It looks really good, but it comes out so soon. I'm probably just going to wait until it comes out. Yeah, it's in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with everything you said, Chad, about Nemesis. Totally 100% agree with you. Um, I would go beyond that is also to say that the enemies themselves, I think what made it less scary for me is that they didn't seem as powerful, the enemies. I got bitten so many times because I wasn't getting the dodge quite right. And I'm like, man, my health must be super low now. And then I checked my inventory screen, and I was still fine. I'm like, how? Wow. I've been bitten like three or four times. I also have a ridiculous amount of ammo for being so in this demo. Is this just because it's just the demo, and they're tailoring it for a demo experience, and it's not going to be like that? Was like there that a the difficulty? Game? Like, could you choose a difficulty? Because I feel like I was bit like three times, and I was like bleeding, about to die in red. Nope, no difficulty. Not that I saw, at least. So it was really easy for me, and like I beat the whole demo in less than twenty minutes. Dang, you're just so good at video games, Holden. <laughs> but I'm not. That's the thing. I'm not good at video games. <laughs> but you have played Resident Evil Two so, a lot, though, right? Yeah, I played Resident Evil Two three times. I want to say, and I did do Resident Evil Two one time on hard. So you are just really. I good. think. Um, but it, it felt a little bit different mechanically, but I'm still excited to play it. I'm just I'm surprised that the demo didn't like wow me. Maybe it's because I'm already familiar with what Resident Evil 2 was, and this is very much just like an extension. Like this game was supposed to be a dual release. Like two and three were supposed to come out together, but three got delayed a little bit, so they ended up separating them. So I I don't know. I'm I'm yeah. still gonna play the game. It's pre ordered. I put my money down for it. So I, I got it. I'm gonna play it. But yeah, demo was okay. From my fine. understanding too, Resident Evil Three Again, I haven't played that on PS One, but uh, my understanding it was more of a more of an action version than a horror version. Um, I have heard that too. Yeah, dope. Yeah. What else did you play? Uh, I also played a lot of Warzone because we've been playing that. Yeah, this week. War Boners. We're the War Boners squad here <laughs> uh, at least One Name Fire. Dells Ryan and I got third uh, in Plunder. So yay for that. That felt Very real good. good. Still, kudos to Matt Vieira for getting first in solos. Yeah. Damn, that was impressive. I think he's the only person that yeah. has. Like, since the game launched, he's the only person yeah. that's gotten first. Every single round, <laughs> the game just ends at second. <laughs> Nobody gets to shoot the last person. <laughs> Matt found a glitch, though. Um, yeah. So good, good for Matt. Uh, I had fun. I liked that game a lot. Going to keep playing it. I also played a very little bit of Doom Eternal. But I'll talk about that when you guys talk about it. Because yeah. I, I wanted to play more Doom Eternal, but I just got so transfixed in <laughs> Animal Crossing. I am so in love with this game. All right. It's I, so good. It's so good. I think it's the best. It, I didn't expect to say this. I actually texted Chad this week and said, hey, we were trying to figure out what we're going to talk about this week. And I'm like, hey, I don't think I'm actually going to have that much to say about Animal Crossing. Because usually these games take like mm-hmm. a really like a few days or a few weeks to really like sink into it and get a feel for the game itself. I already think this is the best Animal Crossing by a mile. It 100%. does so many things right. It's really impressive. I'd go as far as to say is, if you ever have not liked Animal Crossing before in the past, I actually think this is a good entryway into Animal Crossing because it gamifies Animal Crossing more than other games have been because of Nook Miles. It's kind of like adds this bounty, like a combination between a bounty system and an achievement system into one with the Nook Miles program that makes it so you kind of go to Animal Crossing and go, oh, what do I do? 
well, now you know what you, you mm-hmm. kind of have goals that you can do every day and get rewarded for it constantly. So where I think that what's hard for people with Animal Crossing is that the rewards are drawn out over, I mean, weeks and months, whereas now there's like these mini rewards throughout the day that kind of keep you going beyond just like being excited that you caught a fish, which I like catching a fish. It makes me happy, but I can understand why that wouldn't appeal to a lot of people. And now I kind of feel like Nook Miles is like, hey, actually, you're getting things. You're earning things. If you like bounties in Destiny, for example, here you go. Now, I'm sure someone's going to point out, I don't like bounties in Destiny. Why do I like bounties here? (laughs) It's because bounties feel like chores to me. But Animal Crossing is basically about chores, so it just fits so <laughs> yeah, well in the literally world. Literally chores. That, <laughs> yeah, literally about chores. It fits so well in the world that it doesn't bother me, but makes me enjoy it even more. Um, I have a lot more to say, but uh, Brett, what do you, what are you thinking so far? It's so good, man. It, it's to the point where, same as you, like obviously we'll get into it when we talk about Doom. Massive Doom fan. I binged 2016 like right before, and I'll talk about that too. I have things to talk about. Like right before midnight hit for Doom Eternal, I was going to play it. I woke up Friday, went to go get Animal Crossing. I played for 13 hours. I did not touch Doom until like halfway Saturday. 13 hours of Animal Crossing. Yeah. No, I did the same. I did the same thing. And then I woke up Saturday and I kept playing halfway, probably around like. 8, 9 is when I finally started playing Doom and I was streaming it, but that was like at the very end of the day because I was playing Animal Crossing for a good day and a half. Yeah. It, uh, to what you were saying about the Nook Miles, I 100% agree. It The older games were really good, but I played a lot of those back when I was a kid and I had time to play games or I had the drive to play games. So now like, I didn't know how how long I would put into this game, but the fact that now there's things for me to do. There's the Nook Miles challenges. There's I'm gonna just gonna say I time skip, but I I do everything I can <gasps> in that day, and then I move you to the evil next day. person. You it's evil so, person. <laughs> play the way you want; it doesn't bother me. But it's so fun to <laughs> go totally from quest you, to fine. quest. <laughs> like it's just so fun to like do everything in one day, go to the next day, and just have like build up quests. Like I, mm-hmm. there is one thing without spoiling. I mean, it's Animal Crossing, but basically. When you go to those islands, you can like find people and you be like, hey, come to my island. I ended up getting like three of those. So at once, Tom Nook was like, hey, we need three houses. Can you go put, get lots for each one of them? But they also need the furniture on the inside and the outside. So you have to craft that, and put that in the area. I spent a good two, three hours doing that, but it was fun. Like before I knew it, yep. it was like that much time had passed. Usually when I play games, I'm like, oh, it's been two hours. I should get off. Like, I'm counting that minutes. With Animal Crossing, I look over and five hours have passed. It, it's so fun. And I find Absolutely. myself That's... actually wanting to do, like, the museum stuff, too. Oh, I can't wait to get the museum. I'm, it's going to arrive tomorrow. I'm very, very excited about that. <laughs> I did the three houses yesterday, and that was fantastic. I literally pulled out my iPad and my Apple Pencil. It was running down like, okay, I need like this many softwood, this many hardwood, this much just regular wood. I need like six stones and this many peat. I was like planning out like what I had to scavenge for, and mm-hmm. then I would travel to different islands to get to it. So I needed to get to that island. Well, I'm like, I don't have 2,000 Nook Miles yet, so okay, like what can I do on the island right now? that will get me those nook miles so i can then go to that island and get more iron nuggets because i need those iron nuggets to make certain Mm -hmm. tables and like it's like all these systems are like 
piling onto each other in such a great way that I'm like, holy shit, like this is what it looks like when Animal Crossing takes eight years to make as opposed yeah. to a handful of years in, in the games before. I'm super impressed by just that aspect alone. Absolutely. Now, I'm yeah, going to ask a question. Uh, I'm going to ask a question. I I have this character of like this, Animal Crossing sucks. That game's fucking for losers. Blah. There's like the character, that character of me. That's a character. <laughs> I, I personally also find no interest in Animal Crossing. But I do have a question, like a legitimate question. This is not meant to be judgmental or anything like that. Do you find playing that fulfilling? I know when I when 100%. I go and I play like Last of Us or something like that, I was like, oh my god, that story was so amazing, and I feel like enriched by it. Or I go and play a game, like I get to the very end of it, or the gameplay was really satisfying. And I feel like, like I've been as a word Holden loves, I've been elevated in a way. I've, I've been enriched. <laughs> <laughs> when you, I don't love that word, but I get that reference. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so good. When you when you play Animal Crossing and you <laughs> catch a fish and you chop down some trees and you do whatever you do in the museum, is that fulfilling to you? Like, do you feel at the end of the day, you're just like, man, I accomplished a lot today. I feel satisfied. So let yeah. me answer your question with an answer and then let me throw a question at you that okay. I don't know how you're going to answer, to be honest. First of all, are Zen gardens appealing? To people, some people go. Zen gardens are really stupid. Why would you want to just move sand around? But some people really get a lot of joy out of Zen gardens. I don't understand a Zen garden to save my life. Like I could never get into that. But Animal Crossing is like, I guess, my equivalent of the Zen garden, where it's like, yeah, it's totally satisfying because it's so peaceful and relaxing. It doesn't have that same like, I beat that boss like in Sekiro, where it's like that was so satisfying. It's just a different type of satisfying. But uh, just not to jump ahead too much, but you, I saw you have Death Stranding listed here. Have you been building any bridges or any uh, structures in Death Stranding? Why is that satisfying? Well, I haven't, and no, it's not. <laughs> okay, which is why so... I played an hour of it and deleted it again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very much in that same line so it sounds like that doesn't appeal to you um and this i think what it appeals to me is just the zen garden aspect to it that's kind of the satisfaction i get out of it it's peaceful it's relaxing i feel like i'm working towards a greater goal so that when i spend a week saving up bells to get a bridge for my town or something like that this would be a new leaf as an example because i haven't done that yet in um new horizons in the same way it's like, oh, I feel accomplished. I put in a week of worths of effort in this game to get to that point. And I find that very satisfying. Sorry, Brent, I kind of talked over you. No, you're good. Kind of talked over you. I talked for a long time. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, because I think when you do certain things, whether it's doing the quest that they give you, and I, I, I say quest loosely, they'll tell you to do something, you spend a long time doing it, or just setting quests for yourself, or just, I love the way that they dole out things to you. Like, it'll take a while, you'll start in the game, and then you're in one part of your island that's covered by, like, a river, so you can't get to the rest of your island. And so after playing mm -hmm. a little bit, you'll get this staff that you can go over, like, that vaulting pole you can go over, and you're like, oh, that, I, I am fulfilled right now, because I finally got to this other part. But then you come across these hills that you can't get up. You play a lot more of the game, and you get a ladder that you can go up to the hills, and it's like... It sounds like the most stupid, like, oh, it's a roadblock, but not really, because, like, the whole thing of this is a deserted island that you're building, when you start the beginning of the game and there's nothing, and then you go a few days later and you have civilization, and, like, you've just, like, taken over everything, and you've put your mark on things, it's satisfying. Like, when I put goals for myself, like, I'm gonna go grind as much iron as I can, I'm gonna make this thing... I'm going to like 
redo my town square, stuff like that. It's it's 100% satisfying. Or, oh, I'm going to go to a bunch of islands so I can get fish and bugs for the museum. And then you walk in the museum and you see the fish, the bugs, the fossils. It's 100% satisfying. It's the same way I feel Absolutely. about Doom when I like beat really hard levels and I am sit back and I'm like, I did it without lowering the difficulty. I feel like it's the same exact for me. There's also a level of charm as well. And by the way, I don't think the question was insulting at all, Chad. I think it's in the case mm-hmm. of Animal Crossing, it's an extremely valid question. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to explain what makes the game good, honestly. Yeah, I think in this case too, especially honestly in this game, is it's just so charming. And I think the writing is so much better than it has been mm-hmm. in past games as well. I mean, um, as soon as the game started, uh, Matt, uh, Brent, and I were all talking on Discord, and Matt and I both found the same thing super funny, which is that you get to the island, and every person has a different fruit. Or this, I say, there's six types of fruit that you can start off in your island, and it's randomized as to what you start off with. I got peaches. I think um, you, Matt got apples, and so basically we were getting up and talking to Tom Nook and he's like, Hey, I found these things that look like apples that are on the tree. And it's like this like off comment at first. And then later on you go back to Tom Nook and he's like, well, you know, they look like apples. They smell like apples. They taste like apples. We're going to call them apples. <laughs> and like there's something about those like really like kind of just charming and sweet to me with like the little like, you know, uh, giddy like animal voice that they all have. But then like I was on Reddit and someone pointed out something that I missed. And if you go and get an apple before Tom Nook decides that they're apples. The description of the item is literally apples? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's like little things like that that are super funny. Like the airline is run by two dodo birds uh, that are named. They're both brothers. They're named Orville and Wilbur, just like the Wright brothers, Orville uh, Wright and Wilbur Wright, who you know, invented planes in uh, 1908. Like that's funny that like they named those two dodo birds after that. But then like their personalities are also hilarious too. Wilbur is this like very like protocol based, you know, very professional pilot. When he lands you on a deserted island, he says, "Hey, we work on a finders keepers protocol here. If you find it, it's yours." Or like, oh, um, he's like, uh, oh, I think you're about to say what I like. It's like when he's when he talks about like. When you go to an island, he talks about how you can never go back there again. He burns yes. the flight plans. Yeah. <laughs> I actually took a screenshot of that. I'll read what he says exactly, because I thought that one was really funny. Um, it's just all the characters say just, like, really funny things that I just, I love. Trevor came to my island to so he could train some fruit, and then I guess he talked to Pashmina, who's one of my villagers, and the Pashmina comes up to, um, to me, I'm talking to her, and she goes, by the way, that Trevor guy has, like, the coolest title card ever. And it's just, like, really <laughs> funny to, like, see them commenting on things that happen on the island. Um, where's that image of... Wilbur, because it was awesome. It was he funny. Says, me and oh, sorry, go ahead. Here it is. I actually burned the flight plans afterwards. Security reasons. Can't explain more than that. <laughs> and there's something funny about like I'll hold it up. Like a dodo bird with like aviator glasses on, like explaining <laughs> to me the protocols for <laughs> finders keepers and the burning of flight plans afterwards. Like it's it's awesome. It's charming. I love it. Um, great game. Very good game. Some. I just want to mention some like small quality of life things in this game that I absolutely adore. One is the drop-off box. So it used to be that if you wanted to play late at night, I'm a night owl, so I would play late at night. You would fish, you would get bugs and stuff, but then you couldn't sell any of it until the stores opened the next day because the game plays out in real time, for those who didn't know. And I would ultimately just have like all my drawers in my house 
filled with bugs and fish that I had to sell mm-hmm. the next day. And then I have to go back and forth between my house and the store, bringing the bugs back and forth because I could only hold so much in my pockets. By the way, pockets are massive now, and that's awesome too. But at the store, there's a drop-off box. So in the middle of the night, you can just go to the drop-off box, um, throw your bugs in there, and just so they can keep it in-world, you don't get your money immediately because Tim, Timmy and Tommy Nook haven't gotten the money yet because they haven't gone to the store yet, or the bugs yet, they haven't gone to the store yet for that day. So instead, like, in the morning when they go to check in for the store, they'll put it in your bank account and it's waiting for your bank account. Like, little things like that that make the world feel real but also is a huge benefit over the past games. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. The crafting, we haven't even talked about the crafting too much yet, but that's, like such a great thing if i don't have a shovel yet i can just craft a shovel and that's huge the crafting is um, really so- good i, I just i re- the only thing i hate about it is that you can only craft one thing at a time like you get a quest where yeah. you have to make a bridge so you have to make four log spikes to make the bridge and i just really wish that i could make four log spikes in one because every time you craft something it gives you like a six second animation after that and you have to get back into the menu Oh, but yeah. like the only down. the only complaints I have is like quality of life stuff. Mm-hmm. The you can hold down A or B and it speeds it up a little bit, but it's very much mm. excuse me, it's very much like Breath of the Wild's cooking, where like yeah. you need to make fifteen recipes and you got to cook it fifteen different times, and it's going to take a while to do that. It's very much like that. Um, it's it's yeah, it, that's a little bothersome. I have two things that I'm a little nitpicky that I'm a little upset about. One is right now my museum is being built and I can't donate anything. So like on Reddit, there's all these pictures of people just like leaving fish and bugs surrounding the tent where the the museum is being built and it just fills the entire screen because they just really want to donate all this stuff. I'm just selling it. I'll 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 have the game for a while. I'll donate it eventually. That's one thing that bugs me. The other, have you done you, you do time traveling, Brent, so you probably don't do the turnips. Uh no, I haven't yet. Okay. I, I've would have because I I always send it back to my day before I like log off, so I just okay. I didn't play this morning because oh, I, okay. I usually wake up really late. So. <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, I always run into that problem too. I missed the turn the time for turnups, so I can't buy turnups that week. Happens all the time to me. But this week <laughs> I did it. I wanted to be there for Daisy May. Had to be there for Daisy May. <laughs> anyway, you can't store your turnips in your house at all. So I literally just had to like go to my farm in like the top left corner of my map and just build this little like fence cutout where I just dropped the turnips and just left them in there. And it Dang. drives me nuts. You cannot there's no option to put your turnips in storage. I don't know why. I've no idea why. That's weird. It's very weird. But those are my Probably only two nitpicks. Bad. Everything else. Well, that's some time traveling will make them go bad. <laughs> you can't time travel, then they go bad. Who would do For that? Real, I don't understand. <laughs> no, I, I in Wild World, I tra- time traveled all the time. Mm. I was a time traveling machine. But in this game, I really yeah. want to try to treat it you know, as it's intended to be played. As a kid in the other games, like I didn't time travel. But it's just like I've been getting a lot of flack on like Twitter and stuff. Like And play how you want. I'm never going to like bash people for it. But it just kind of gets to the point where... I think for a while I'm going to play this game, but after a while, I'm going to be picking up Animal Crossing and just playing it for 30 minutes and putting it back, like a lunch break or something. So I think for mm-hmm. now, for me to get this enjoyment of, I want to play Animal Crossing for 13 hours, let me binge it. It, it honestly it was one of my favorite moments in gaming recently because I had so much fun that I didn't realize 13 hours had just passed. Like, it was just a fun experience, like especially like, being sick from home, like being sick from work. So, like, I just 
played Animal Crossing and it was really fun and I really enjoyed it. So, well, I'm uh, I'm happy that people finally have it in their hands and that what they've been waiting for is, seems to be uh, pleasing them, it seems. Holden, you know, can you do me a favor real quick? So good. Holden, will you put your hand over your camera and then take it away to fix your focus? Yeah, it's been bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, ever since you put your switch up to the screen, you've been, uh, nope, you're still out of focus. Better. Great. Better Perfect. Now? Cool. Uh, I want to talk about two things really quick before we jump into Doom Talk. Uh, one is that I beat Bioshock Infinite Barrel at Sea DLC this week, as well as the game. It was the first time I played the DLC. Everyone should play the DLC if you are playing along with us for Barf. We're recording that episode at the end of this week on Frytog. That's German for Friday, Friday. Uh, <laughs> write in your thoughts about the game. Alex Cozina has already written in his thoughts. Matt Vieira has let us know about his thoughts. You will see him on the show as well when we record it on Frytog. Um, next, I played Death Stranding. I finally, I beat Bioshock Infinite. Great I was like, game. what am I going to play? And then Matt's like, I'm jumping into Death Stranding. He's like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to fucking jump into Death Stranding again too. I've got time. We're all at home. I've got a week left of this uh, this this uh, disability thing. So I'm like, I'm going to spend all my time just beating Death Stranding. And I jumped in for an hour. And I was like, all right, I'm picking back up the controls. I'm doing one. I jumped, dropped it down. I originally was playing on hard difficulty. I dropped it down to easy. Just because I'm like, I just want to, I didn't do very easy, but I just said easy. I was like, I just want to experience this game. Uh, got into a BT area, fucking couldn't get away from them, fighting, ran out of the grenades, couldn't beat a BT, and I, fuck, I fuck, fucking hate this game. <laughs> Deleted it immediately. So I won't be going back to that Death Stranding again. <laughs> it was I just, found Death Stranding to be like a really chill, like, chill for different reasons than Animal Crossing. Yeah. But it's just kind of one of those. I like putting the headphones on and just kind of like escaping and like the gameplay is pretty fun, but the, the cutscenes really keep me going. So that's like, what uh, I want. I want to experience definitely... the cutscenes, and I, I do enjoy like the deliveries and those kind of things, like making my way across the terrain and finding other people's, but mm. the BTs were just too frustrating for me. It's just, I'm not good enough, I guess, with those sneaky mechanics. Every BT, I, like, I don't know if I'm just very early game. I think I put like six hours or so into it. Every BT I've come across, I've just kind of just kind of walked through. Yeah, this most recent encounter, I was like, they were, there was no, you you were like in the rubble of a building and there was no way to get around them. Like you had, you basically had to walk through them, throw grenades and shit like that. I was like, ugh. And I didn't have enough because I wasn't expecting to go through a BT field. And then, the, oh, anyway. Yeah, so I'm not jumping back into death training again. But I did play all of Doom Eternal, but I want to start by asking Brent, Mr. Doom, a couple Oof. of questions. You played the Doom 2016, you already said, is your Bible. You read it every Sunday. You yes. uh, love Second favorite game. game of all time until I finish Eternal. And then that'll be the second favorite? Mm. Or what's your favorite game of all time? The Witcher 3. Witcher 3. Okay, that's right. That's right. That's why you're always bugging me to play it. Um, <laughs> what do people need to know about Doom 2016 before they go into Doom Eternal? Like, what's been happening in the universe? Uh, like, do you uh, need to play spoilers? Uh, we don't necessarily have to know. I, I don't know. It's up to you whether or not you think the spoilers are enough to like actually spoil anything in the Doom universe. Because from my perspective, all I know is like there are demons from hell. We're going in to kill a bunch of demons. And that's about all I got. The base thing you need to know is that Argent Energy is... I think the UAC that's using Argent energy to like, like the energy from hell 
pretty much to like power a bunch of stuff. That's kind of the big thing. You run into Samuel Hayden and I guess at the end of the game, he pretty much puts you puts a tether on you and he says uh, until we meet again and he's holding the crucible sword and he walks away. I think that's the biggest thing you need to know. And then that his your AI Vega got destroyed, but he uploaded Vega. Like Doom guy uploaded Vega to himself without ha- uh, Hayden knowing. I think. I think honestly, that's the biggest thing. Maybe you can get into like Olivia Pierce and what she's doing, and the fact that she was like corrupting everything. But for the most part, 2016 tried to be gameplay, whereas Eternal is like gameplay. It's a lot better gameplay, but we're also going to give you a lot of lore and like try to connect the other copious amounts of Doom games together. So you played through all of Doom 2016 again this week, and then you played through a little bit of Doom Eternal or all? How, what did you play? I played it. six hours of Eternal so far. Okay. I played 20 minutes on launch night. <laughs> I was in Discord with uh, Holden and Matt. And essentially, they were playing Animal Crossing at midnight. And I was like, I, I'm hopping into Doom. Press click. Steam's like, oh, we have to unpack your files. And that took two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking PCs, man. And the it whole said t- one year at one point. Yeah, it really did. And the one time it just canceled itself. And the whole time, this guy was staring at me. And I was getting really mad. Oh. <laughs> For those audio listeners, it's a Doom guy action figure who's pretty dope. Doom, Doom Slayer. They call him Doom Guy in Doom Eternal. They, well, they call Do him they by really? like several things, but they actually do refer to him once yeah. as Doom Guy. That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, it's extremely meta. <laughs> <laughs> no, for the most part, though. Yeah, I played twenty minutes and then I went to bed for work. Didn't even go to work because I didn't feel up to snuff. I just played Animal Crossing the whole time. But what I played? Are we getting into Doom Eternal or? Because I, w- I want yeah. to talk a little bit about twenty sixteen. Yeah, and go for it. Because you played that whole thing. Just, Just tell us about it. Yeah. I beat it Thursday night, had an hour to take a shower before like Eternal came <laughs> out. Dude, 2016 is amazing, but playing that last level was awful. That last level of 2016 is bad. Because yeah. to, when you get to that point, there's some really cool moments like when you're like freeing the souls and then you're going to these arenas. Like the arenas are cool, but I've I watched a lot of like interviews with Higo Martin, the creative director of Doom and Doom Eternal, and he talks about like, yeah, by the time you got to the end of 2016, we didn't have any new anything new to throw at you, and it was all the same thing. And I 100% agree because when you get to end when you get to the end of that game, it's like, oh, you just beat a Mancubus, another one spawns like in that same location in front of you, and it does that four times. It was just awful. I was proud of myself that I didn't like lower the difficulty. But that didn't make it satisfying from a gameplay standpoint. That was because of my own like challenge I put upon myself. So so far playing Eternal, the getting into that, the the gameplay and the combat has been overhauled so much to the point where the it seems like they are throwing new things at me. They are giving me like I don't have all my weapons yet, six hours in. I have not even half my weapons, I don't think. And they're giving us new enemies throw it to throw at you and be like hey there's these weak points in here that you have to like target these weak points if you want to make your life a lot easier not to mention they give you like six pieces of equipment to like manage at one time which sounds like a lot but it's the perfect balance of yeah you'll forget about a couple here and then 
but it becomes second nature at one point and it's like oh i need to use ice grenades for like the uh the snake guys oh i need to use this i need to use the armor the flame belch it's so good i'll let you talk about it for a little bit but it, it's really good yeah, I, I enjoy the gameplay of Doom Eternal so much. It is so smooth. I posted a video on Twitter of just like when it finally all clicked for me and I felt like a badass because you're right. There are there are grenades. There are ice grenades. There's the – you can use the meat hook on the super shotgun. You can use all the different parts of the different weapons. Mm-hmm. You can upgrade them different parts. You can upgrade your suit to help you out in certain situations. Um, and so whenever you finally do take all of those things into account and you have – a bunch of different types of enemies on the battlefield and you just jump from one to next to the next to the next and you know all right switch this weapon boom shoot that guy switch to this weapon take mm. out his like machine guns on his arms so that i can then take him out it's like it feels so good it feels like nothing else uh so i 100 percent applaud them on that it is mm-hmm. if you thought doom 2016 felt smooth and really great to play this is it takes everything and, and levels it up a notch which is amazing 100 percent. there's so many systems they add to it as well like the dash makes it like so much more fast paced in 2016, which doesn't sound possible because 2016 was extremely fast paced. But when you have that dash mechanic, you're barely in the same place for a second. And then like, there's so many things you have to like keep your attention on. Like you'll get the soldiers and they'll come up with their shields in 2016. You just had to go around them. But in this one, like you're like, okay, so I use the plasma gun. And if I shoot at that, it'll explode and do AOE thing. And then I go, and then I can use, if I see a group of zombies, I use my flame belch. I get a bunch of armor. Like, I swear I filled my armor up three times from a group of zombies with that flame belch. It's just, like, so many things to keep your attention on, and it, it hits you. They do a really good job of making sure it's not cumbersome at once, but it definitely can hit you if you're not paying attention, if you're not using it in the level they give it to you. At But if you are, they do a really good job at, giving you at the right moment, giving you a level to kind of like get it in your brain and understand it. And combat just is so much more fluid. Yeah. I, you brought up the flame belch and like getting armor and things like that. And in 2016 doom, I never, I didn't give a shit about armor. I was like, I lose life and gain life so quickly. And then armor is just like, I can't even gain it back. So why even worry about getting it if I'm just going to lose it so quickly, but they, what difficulty to play 2016 on? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and Doom no, like, Eternal. what difficulty did oh, you sorry, play? Oh, uh, sorry, normal difficulty in 2016. Oh, okay. Um, I played normal too, but I feel like I always needed armor. Maybe I suck, but like I feel like armor was like 100% essential. I, I, I don't know what I don't know why, but I, yeah, I never used armor in 2016. But I felt like in this one, in Doom Eternal, I was constantly juggling in a good mm-hmm. way, like constantly juggling the chainsaw, the flame belch, and um, glory kills to get health back, get ammo. And I feel like that's what they wanted you to do and to get yeah. armor with the flame belts. That's what they wanted you to do in 2016, but I guess I like found a way around it that I didn't need it. But it felt so essential to this. And that that constant like love triangle of those three things, it felt so well-paced. And so, like I was always kill like four or five guys, f- flame belch this guy, chop him with my chainsaw, get the armor and the ammo at the same time, go over these. Like It felt so natural and smooth mm-hmm. when you finally get a hang of it. Um, it is just a gameplay experience unlike any other. Yeah. I do have some, some negative things, though. Oh, sorry. In 2016, they would have to, like, when you're going into a boss fight or something, they would have to put armor there for, like, a bunch of armor and a bunch of health because it was kind of harder to, like, get it back. And, tw- and Doom Eternal, they do that a little bit, but at the same time, I feel like it's a little less, like, okay, if I don't have armor, that's because I didn't give myself any. That's because I didn't pay attention to my surroundings and I didn't use it to my advantage and stuff like that, and I kind of like that a lot. 
Yeah. The story so far, from what I have played, is really good. I like how they're going more into the lore. They've done some really cool stuff with like the betrayer and everything. Like they brought him in, and I was like, oh, oh, okay, that's cool. And they started to bring in like the night sentinels and all that. Is really cool. I'm sure you know way more than me because you beat it. But I would so say far, what I way is cool. more probably because I did. In 2016, Doom, that was one of the things I talked to Holden whenever we played it for Barf and we discussed it. I was like, man, everything on this, I am picking these things up and I'm actually reading them and they're so interesting and all the lore of this is really cool. Uh, and I wish that they had actually brought that lore from the reading material into the gameplay or into the cutscenes more mm-hmm. in Doom 2016. I do feel like Doom Eternal's cutscenes and kind of like the the story cards before the mission and things like that are, are definitely, there's more in there that's interesting and I like reading it, but I, I found that eventually I, it was just so much. I'm just picking up so many codex entries and everything like that, that I was just like, I can't, I can't stop the yeah. gameplay of something that I'm hooked on to go and read these every time I pick something up. Uh, so I, I think about halfway through the game, I just relied on cutscenes and those title cards to really give me mm. all the story that I needed. Yeah. I've just kind of been playing. And then like later on towards the end of the night, I'll just, go through and just read a bunch of them kind of like i know some things that have happened in eternal because i've been watching a lot of lore videos and they brought it up i'm like oh that happens cool whatever but i'm glad they brought it up in eternal that's really interesting like going in on his past and stuff like that like i had somewhat knew but the way they kind of like no spoilers even though i owe a spoiler to holden it's like <laughs> you <do>. he, <laughs> You go for it. Go for it. No, I'm not going to spoil the listeners or nothing. But like the way they okay. go into like connecting and tying things in, I thought was really interesting and changing a little bit of things and then tying a lot in. I think the what they did for the lore so far, what I've seen and what I've played is pretty cool. Yeah, I even like all the uh, all the collectibles you can unlock from all the old games, like the soundtracks, mm. like in your your Fortress of Doom, like a really cool ship that you go back to all the time, the hub world. You can like go and co- unlock other. So good. Like costumes and like previous Doom, classic Doom outfits, mm. and like it's really, really cool to be able to change those up. I love that there's a demon prison called the Ripatorium. Yes, <laughs> and it plays it plays the BFG Division song, and like I just go back and I I just keep playing that because it's so fun, and like to just hear BFG Division again. Also, I want to say the menu music for Doom Eternal, the At Eternal's Gate. 100% is way better than every song in 2016. And I love the songs <laughs> in 2016. At uh what was it? Addy Turtles Gate is fire and it slaps so hard. That's a PSA. It's pretty dope. Uh there is a point however in Doom Eternal when things took a turn for me. Uh and it's the first time it has pretty much all the same enemies as Doom 2016 and uh, previous Dooms throughout time. Uh but there's a, a mm. fight against a marauder for the very first time that He's the, one of the guys with the axes that has the shield, yeah. and it's, it it broke me. It caused me during the fight. I was like, "All right, this is." I had to drop it down to the easiest difficulty during that, and it was still like finding the exact like the exact right distance away from him to be in order to to get through that mm-hmm. fight with the super shock. It was so frustrating to me, and I literally I've never done this before, but I literally bit my controller out of frustration. Like I took my dual shock, like. <laughs> And I bit it, and I was like, "Did I? Am I a child? Did I bite my controller right now from?" Di-? But it frustrated me so much, and I knew it was like, "Well, fighting him for the first time at the end of this chapter is only the f- like he's going to become a regular enemy, yeah. quote unquote, for the rest of the game." Yeah, because he's it. like, 
he's like the marketed villain essentially is like he's on like all the marketing like i pre-ordered a marauder figure and the fact that bethesda has doom slayer and marauder on it is kind of like okay those are the two figures what are they gonna do with him towards the end of the game yep you're gonna see him a little bit the um, more the more people talk about how annoying that fight is i'm looking forward to it like the game's literally already challenging but i i want that challenge so bad it's literally like if you go to ign the, well the day that i was playing if you go to ign the only doom related walkthrough thing that was like on their front page is doom chapter six walkthrough and like how to beat this guy i was like <laughs> all right everyone else is having trouble with this too I feel like Holden Sekiro is like my doom. It's like he keeps playing that all the time. And I feel like that's me with doom because I want that challenge of doom <laughs> so much. Especially like, like I don't gatekeep on like what you should play on. But if you have the ability to play on PC, I 100% recommend it. Because I feel like for those type of arena shooters, keyboard and mouse just works 100% better. Because I played Doom 2016 on Xbox originally and beat it on Xbox One. But playing both of these again on PC... It's phenomenal, phenomenal experience. Like, obviously, you have to get used to keyboard and mouse, but there's something about being able to use the keyboard to kind of, like, WASD move around, and you had that flexibility with the mouse to kind of just, like, move around. Some of the best moments I've had. It's extremely fun. I think yeah. playing keyboard and mouse is what is part of what makes me love Doom so much is the feeling of playing it. That might have helped me in the last half of the game because I got to a point where the the challenge was there i even i after that marauder fight i kept it on the easiest difficulty for the rest of the game and it was still it, it was still frustratingly overwhelming at points like they they do a good job in 2016 doom what i had an issue with was like i felt really good but about two-thirds of the way through the game i felt like they didn't throw anything new at me it was yeah. like it was just a different configuration of enemies I'm like all right how do you kill these same enemies if i throw this one at you first but in this one i feel like they just halfway through the game they just totally take that and they're like oh that wasn't challenging enough well we're just gonna throw a lot of really hard different enemies at the same time at you and i just got it was it was too much like i couldn't keep i couldn't mentally keep track of all the different enemies on the screen especially when you're fighting a marauder with 30 yeah in eternal and, and there were so many so many times where i'm like looking up at the top because you can keep track of how many uh mm. encounters you've had and how many are left like you can see the meter is like three quarters full you're like okay i'm almost at the end of this level it's like god how much longer i just want this to be done because it was so it was so tough to keep track of everything and jumping around it's like it, it got literally overwhelming i don't know whether it's because i played maybe like nine hours of doom eternal on saturday mm. and maybe it was just fatigue but i uh i found myself yeah at exactly about halfway through the game i was just like all right, I'm ready to, I'm ready to, it, it, that's when it took the turn for me. And it was, mm. I can't wait for this to be done, especially I'm not going to spoil anything about it, but the final boss battle was just like literally 30 minutes. It took me 30 minutes. I didn't die once, but it was that's 30 was... minutes of nonstop your brain going a mi- hundred miles a minute Jeez. trying to like this to this to that. How many enemies? And it's exhausting. So, uh, that's kind of what I wanted to know is kind of like that spoiling so they don't solve the problem from 2016 where they don't really throw anything at you or anything so like that is it is the ending better than the ending of 2016 like that last kind of like leg um it, i like the ending of this one better like story-wise lore-wise all that kind of thing and like the scale and scope of it all was really cool but I uh, I did not enjoy the final boss battle at all. I like the 2016 ending of better than Doom Eternal's ending in that aspect. 
So, uh, but here's what I do recommend people play it. Uh, like Doom Eternal, I think is the one of the best feeling shooters I've ever played. Mm. It is amazing. The platforming, uh, the platforming, they added some new stuff with like swinging from pipes and oh, I wanted and to talk scaling about things, and it's really fun. But then I think that first person platforming, they make it they make it too complex. Like it's never really fun or easy. But they go like full on Destiny first person mm. platforming towards the end of it. I'm like, woof. Without the tools of Destiny platforming, yeah. On I, that I love note, I'm only like in. I'm oh, sorry. No, I'm only like an hour and a half. I'm at the, like the end of chapter two right now, but I've I've already kind of found with the platforming that you can move so fast and so far to get to certain platforms pretty early on. I don't know how this you know speaks to the end of the game, but I'd be like, oh, there's no way I can make that jump. Where am I supposed to go right now? And I'm like, oh no, I I am supposed to go there. So sometimes I just kind of found it hard to even know where I'm supposed to go in some of the platforming. It, it was just hard to figure. I out. found that too, and yeah. I ended up finding secrets. I found a lot of secrets because of it, but it's not necessarily I wanted to progress. I, wanted to <laughs> yeah. I found I found the platforming really enjoyable. Like obviously, I mean, Chad knows more if if it gets like worse, but like to me, where I'm not necessarily halfway through the game, but close, I think that it's still really enjoyable. Like I love there's times where like I look in front of me and I don't know where to go. I have to look a little bit more. I'm like, all right, I do this, and it gives a, a really good downtime. And like as much as I love the high octane thing of Doom, I want a, like I want a breather. Yeah, especially playing lot, on PC. Especially playing on PC, like I use my pinky for left shift to dash. So like after a while, that starts to get a little stiff and hurt. So I love that downtime of like yeah, I'm still dashing to like platform, but not like as much. So it's a little breather on my hands, a little breather on my mental state. I love the platforming in it. I was gonna say it's really funny that. Uh, I would play like uh, Animal Crossing something with Holden. He's like, "All right, I need to go play Doom or something." I'll text the chat like, "I'm gonna go play Doom," and then I, I'm still playing Animal Crossing, so I see Holden Animal Crossing like an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. It's see less it. about Doom and more about Animal Crossing. <laughs> you can. I can see tell you were on playing Doom, it to like, like talk about it. You can see on Doom people who are playing. So like uh, Dusty, I saw Dusty was in the middle of the really really tough chapter right after I had beaten it. And I texted him. I was like, oh, man, good luck with the end of this chapter. And he's like, oh, woof. And then I see Holden right underneath him, and it's like zero progression. <laughs> like 12 hours later, zero progression. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Animal Crossing must yeah, be Yeah, I, I played a little bit of it, and it's nothing to the fault of, of Doom, uh, Doom Eternal. I'm, I like it a lot so far. I do think it's way harder so far than I remember Doom being. I don't remember yeah. dying that much in Doom. I feel like I'm dying. Every encounter, I die at least once, I feel like. And I'm playing on Hurt Me Plenty, which is like the normal level. But I'm just, I get so drawn to Animal Crossing, I kept going back to that. What you guys are talking about, though, even kind of earlier on with like having different ice grenades and that kind of stuff, I'm like, oh, that sounds intriguing. Because yeah, right now, at this point, really where I'm like, good. yeah, right now, at this point, where I'm like, okay, I got the shotgun, I got the assault rifle, I have the pulse rifle, and I'm like, I'm still having fun playing this, but it very much just feels like Doom Eternal just kind of continued. But it sounds like that's not the case, and it really does start to deviate in a lot of ways. That, that's exciting to me. It strikes me as a game that, yes, you're going to have to come out of your comfort zone to be successful at it. As the yeah. the person who doesn't like to like use abilities and like extra things in other games, you <laughs> will not survive in Doom Eternal if you don't like freeze the guys who slither around and shoot the rocket launchers off of the other guy. Like... And use all the abilities yeah. in the way they're supposed to be used, constantly changing it up. Right? If you just so rely on shooting actually, things, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. 
so it's not so much I don't like using consumable stuff or anything like that. It's more that I like using the fundamentals of the game because usually you can get by in a game just using those fundamentals. Mm. And I, I enjoy playing it that way. But I'm glad you brought that up because in this game, I think so far again, I'm only like in like the end of chapter two. It feels like they introduce new concepts really effectively where it does feel like this new thing I'm being taught is a fundamental part of the game, as opposed to, yeah, shoot a bunch of bad guys. By the way, these these like rocket things you can shoot out of your assault rifle. And I'm like, no, no, no. Mm. Like they like they give you like gave me like a, a time where I was fighting, I don't know the name of any of the creatures, but the thing looks like a big brain with like legs and the cannon coming out of it. Yeah. yeah. Um when those came up, I'm like, this is really hard. I guess I have to use those assault um like rifle missile things to mm. target its its head cannon thing because then yeah. it won't be as powerful. Like they build those kind of ancillary attack methods really well into the game where they're no longer ancillary, they I think kind of become fundamental. And yeah. you and like you guys are kind of talking about, you're constantly juggling the stuff. Like when I see, and again I don't know these creatures' names, the big head that has one green the eye, and yeah. you have to shoot the mm. yeah, we have to throw the grenade in its mouth. Like my default is don't really just go for the grenade first. Yeah. If you miss, then start shooting it. Yeah. Like you you have to play it that way. And it's a like constant juggle of of different enemy types and what part of your arsenal can can attack that enemy and i think the easy way to explain it is every enemy has a fundamental way you have to approach it mm -hmm. and there are a ton of enemies therefore a ton of quote fundamentals in the game right i highly Watching suggest for those like... cacodemons like invest in the grenade for your shotgun like that is a hundred percent worth yeah. it yeah yeah watching a lot of like interviews with hugo martin and everything he talks a lot about developing eternal they want to put people in like the fun zone is what he calls it. like the fundamental like he's like he wants to push people out of their comfort zone because in 2016 a lot of people would play in like different ways and like because when i'd get to bosses i would always use this like the lock on rocket launcher but like in this one he wants you to be like okay we want you like he talks a lot about like we want you to know that if you need armor you have that flame belch like you can't not use that right like mm -hmm. and not like you could you can find your own ways to play while using these fundamental things, but at the same time, like he wants these parts to like, oh, and all of it wants these parts to like be the foundation, and then you go from there and kind of put your own spin on things, like pushing players into like the zone, and, like playing that. I've really felt that, and I really enjoy it. It's a really big step up from 2016. Just like Animal Crossing, you just have all these interlocking systems that really enhance the rest of the game. Just like, just like Animal Crossing. Just like it. I had to bring up Animal Crossing. <laughs> I had to bring up Animal Crossing again. I can't help. I it. thought you were gonna like end it with like, and you choose to time travel. And you choose to time travel. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we are over an hour right now into this podcast, and we haven't even touched the news. We have got to move on. Um, let's jump into our fetch Doom quest podcast? log. What? The Doom podcast? The Doom, yes, this is Doomcast. I told my uh, co-host that like it, when I beat this game, I might just do like a solo episode of the podcast just talking about Doom the entire time. Do it 100%. I will listen <laughs> like crazy. Do it, you coward. I'm gonna. I'm hyped. Speaking of <laughs> ripping people apart, Untitled Goose Game. Uh, <laughs> short and a short hike take home the top prizes at gdc and igf awards says rebecca valentine at gamesindustry.biz that's the second time until the goose game is one game of the year some other shout outs yeah. from the gdc Good awards game. baba is you won best design and best innovation disco elysium won best narrative and best debut and control ooh, ooh, 
won Best Technology and Best Visual Art Style. Um, I don't know if we have it on this list here, actually, but I think it was today, GDC. These are the GDC awards. GDC was officially rescheduled for end of August, I believe it was. We have that in here, yeah. Dope, the just kidding. Update. Forget I said it. Leaked trailer teases Tales Spoilers, from the Borderlands Chad. Redux. Now, you owe, now Brent has to spoil something for you. Damn it. Spoiling oh. so much. Oh. Uh, so yeah, new new Tales of the Borderlands Redux and sequel, says Brianna Reeves, PlayStation Lifestyle. There's a leaked clip that shows um, a Redux of the original and maybe a, a, a sequel, according to the second clip that ends with a tease. Uh, I am into that. I saw the tease, and it is blatantly, it's not even a tease. It's like, (laughs) we're making, here's the number two, we're going to have to stutter around the screen a bunch of times. Wonder what that could mean is happening. (laughs) Freaking Tales from the Borderlands is fantastic. Maybe the best Telltale game. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog film. Oh, I haven't played Batman yet, but I've heard really good things about Batman. Batman was really good. It's on my list. I tried to make it a barf game, and then Holden's like, God, if this becomes a fucking barf game, I'm going to shoot myself in the eyes. Oh, man. I'll say, if, if you don't, if anyone like in the community doesn't like me for any reason at all, vote for a Telltale game on barf. <laughs> <laughs> How about we do Batman, and I be Holden? Done. That, that'd be great. Would you do that? Absolutely. And then Holden <laughs> is just it. in the background <laughs> singing the Batman theme song the whole time for his, his lullaby. It's just... It's way more than thirty seconds. That's not allowed. I mean, I already feel like I look like a younger Holden. You kind of pass it. Oh my god, you could be holding an Aces like weird time travel child. (laughs) (laughs) If they are alternate dimension versions of each other, you are the weird child that they had together. Also, Sonic the Hedgehog (laughs) film is uh, achieves yet another monumental milestone. Says Nick Piazzo at Game Ranks. It is officially the biggest video game movie ever domestically in the U.S., uh, and it has earned $156 million compared to Detective Pikachu, which was at $144 million. Because that movie's good, y'all. Not that Detective Pikachu wasn't, because it was also really good. This really surprises me, actually, considering Pokemon's the biggest intellectual property on the planet. Yep. Like, by a lot, too. It's like that, and then a huge margin in Star Wars. And then a huge margin of everything. And then me. You are the third big. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Uh, Call of Duty Warzone now has solos mode. Good. That's right. Had to, oh my god, let's make a movie about me. It'll be me and my judge <laughs> outfit. <laughs> Call of Duty Warzone now has solos mode, says Matt Wales at Eurogamer. And uh, Matt from Rhode Island is the first one to win it and only one to win it. <laughs> Control's first big expansion, The Foundation, will be out this Friday on March 26th on PC and PS4. However, you have to wait till June 25th if you're on Xbox, says Luke Plunkett on Kajaku. I am so pumped for that. I cannot wait to revisit Control. Oh! I can't wait to visit Control. You haven't played any of it? No. Oh, dude, I'm a really it. bad gamer. You're going to love it. You're going to play it on PC. You're going to turn on ray tracing, and then you're just going to sit there, and your face is going to melt. It's going to be lit. It's going to be lit. Uh... <laughs> Sony is going after Dreams Creations that use Nintendo IP at the request of Nintendo, says, this is exactly, this is correct, Raw Meat Cowboy at Go Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> I literally put in hard brackets, I'm not kidding, that's the person's yep. name. Had you not put that's that, I wouldn't have read it. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a guy who made a really, really good version of Mario, and it's like rigged too, so you can bend it all its joints and things like make it talk. But, uh, and it is, no more. This infuriates so me. I, 
I I get that. It's also an odd place for Sony to be in, where they're going to profit off of having a Nintendo property represented on their game. It's it's a they had to. They had yeah. to. It's even weird. without Nintendo pushing them. I I think they would have done it anyway. It's weird. Mm-hmm. I, I think they have more of a um the two things that make them have more of a responsibility to do that. One, it is first party. So like they have to tell the studio, hey, let's take this down. Um, but two, with the discussion of them like being in the beta program of like taking your things and exporting them for use elsewhere and other things that are outside of Sony's dreams walled garden, like that when when you start now giving people the ability to create entire experiences with other people's IP and then you don't have control over what they do with it, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna clamp down on it. I mean, I get it, but I just kind of feel like. A, Sony's not making money off of Nintendo's IP. They're making money off of a copy of Dreams, and people aren't really necessarily just buying Dreams for, like, Mario or something. Like, I get both sides of it. It's just kind of a little bit, like, there should be more of a, like, what's the word? They're just, like, uh, gate it a little bit more, if you know what I mean. Just kind of like, oh, if you're going to use this for something else, let's make sure it doesn't have any IPs in it before you send it off to a company or something like yeah. that. And I guess it's part of like the beta process they outlined a couple weeks ago where they're like, there is like a review process and things like that before we necessarily give you the full ability to export whatever it is. But we know how well Nintendo loves their IP being, I mean, just look at the Nintendo creator program. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> well, that's done. They ended that. Yeah, that's that's been over for a little bit now, but. But it's just a bad program and it was infuriating. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, then we have Inside Final Fantasy VII Remake, Episode One Introduction. This is from YouTube. The developers of Final Fantasy VII Remake have posted the first episode of a developer diary detailing how the remake project began, how they approached it. Uh, there's a quote from the video that says, the longtime fans will certainly want to see the next developments too, even though they might think they know what comes next. I have not actually Ooh. seen this video yet. Holden, have you seen it? Brent, have you seen it? Yeah, I watched the whole no. thing, yeah. How long is it? Is it more than three minutes? 22 minutes. Oh! I can't <laughs> watch YouTube videos more than three minutes. And it's subtitled the whole time? Uh, that actually might make me do it. Parasite yeah. was great. Parasite is awesome. <laughs> Parasite Very is good, so yeah. good. Uh, and then finally... And not relevant to the conversation. <laughs> we can have another like 10-minute conversation. It's a longer it subtitled thing that I was able to sit through. Oh, okay. okay. That's fair. All right. Yeah. I'll, I take it back what I said. I take it back. I take it back. And Chad, before we get relax. to COVID-19 I take stuff, it back. we've got Microsoft announces new Xbox Game Pass Ultimate Perks which will include DLC, in-game content, and more, says Nick Biazzo. And before we start this, it does not mean, like I thought it meant at first, that, oh, if you have Game Pass, you're now going to get DLC for games right off the bat, too. Like, no, that's not what this means. That's exactly what I thought. I read the article going, but wait, where does it talk about where all the games get DLC? Exactly. It doesn't say that in here. <laughs> uh, you, if you want to download like an expansion or extra chapter or DLC for a game, you actually do have to purchase that at a discount with Game Pass, but still purchase that. This is actually... DLC like cosmetic items or cool trinkets that you can get in games for your characters or maybe like a pass for certain missions in certain um, games as well that are exclusive to Game Pass Ultimate members. Uh, so a couple of the ones to ride off the bat are Fantasy Star Online 2, World of Tanks, Smite, and Sea of Themes. They'll be getting their DLC added to Game Pass Ultimate as well, which is, uh, I mean, it is what it is. I was really excited when I first saw it and now I'm just like, oh, I don't, I don't care anymore. Yeah, that, I thought that was going to give me like a reason to like keep doing Game Pass Ultimate. Because like, I, I already need Ultimate in general to play on my PC. But like at this point, I was kind of like, ah, I don't really play anymore. But having DLC, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I can go back and, oh, no. <laughs> no, it's just like, oh, you get a cool shirt here. 
Or you get uh, Ori Will of the Wisp items in Sea of Thieves. Now we get to our COVID rundown, coronavirus. Here are, we've split oh, this up into no. a few sections. Um, there's first, there's a, there's a few right off the bat. GameStop has been deplorable in the way that it's been handling the situation. Uh, but it has finally closed stores to customers, says Jason Schreier at Kotaku. Uh, this was after they, after the government, state governments said, Everyone is that's not non-essential is closing, and GameStop said, "Oh, we're essential retail. We're staying open." And all of you employees, if you don't come to work, you're, you don't have sick pay or leave or anything like that. Uh, they have now changed course. They are obeying that fully in states that have uh, those shelter-in-place or stay-in-place um, laws, and anywhere else in the country, they are doing curbside models. So you can order things through a QR code or through the website, and then you can go pick it up, and an employee will bring it out to you from the store. They are also giving two weeks PTO, or sorry, two weeks pay to anyone who doesn't get PTO, and they're giving 80 hours of PTO to their assistant managers and managers who do get PTO. So we'll see if it's over in two weeks and what happens after that. But Best Buy, for the record, is also doing the same. The source for that is an email I got this morning from Best Buy saying, you can come pick <laughs> stuff up, but I can't because I'm in California and they're closed. So I just want to, a little quick note here. I just saw on Reddit a lot People are saying, man, Reggie's really already fucking it up at GameStop. <laughs> he's not part of that decision. It's like, just a board member. <laughs> yeah, he's a board member. They don't handle the day-to-day operations. So if you're like mad at Reggie, he's still cool. He's still awesome, okay? Well, we, Gotta defend Reggie. Gotta, we don't gotta have defend my the boy video Reggie. from the boardroom where Reggie is like, get those employees out of the stores now! <laughs> that might have happened, and they just said, no, that's not your decision It might have make. been what did it, yeah. Uh, next up, Bethesda announces they will transition to remote work due to con- growing con- growing coronavirus concerns. This is Jordan Biazzo at Game Ranks. Uh, they joined just about everybody else in the world, including CD Projekt Red and Rockstar Games. Their staff is also working from home. This is Jenny Leda at Silicon Arrow. Including my job. Ah, uh, kill me. Yes. At least, uh, I don't want to say at least you still have a job because that's like... Yeah, there's the, well, there's a sympathy versus yeah. empathy video that I watched a long time ago at work that Holden, I'm sure you've seen it a hundred times too because of work that like telling people, hey, at least you got this is like kind of a slap in the face. You want to be empathetic yeah. to people. But <laughs> you also, shouldn't be upset at all. You have, you the have a world. job. There are people out there who don't have a job right now. Um, You're still breathing. You can't complain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, everyone in the world is working from home. That's just the way that it goes. Uh, uh, the cookie crumbles. We have <laughs> We have a safe for now section. You have a mustache. You didn't have to do a fingered mustache to do that. But it's not a Tom Brokaw mustache. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077. We just said they're working from home. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is not in any threat of delay due to coronavirus, says Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. I assume this is because their release date was already pushed to the fall, so they have a little bit of a buffer there. Versus other games I'm worried about that are like supposed to come out in the next month or two, like Last of Us. Minecraft Dungeons. Minecraft Dungeons, man. They're on the same level. Well, Last of Us, I, Minecraft Dungeons. I'm so looking forward to Minecraft Dungeons, though. I swear, more I mean, than Last of Us. Sorry. If I but... were to ever play a Minecraft game, it would be Minecraft Dungeons because I love Diablo. But mm. You'd also rather play Diablo instead of Minecraft I Dungeons. I would. I would indeed. Yeah. 
This hurts. Oh, something I forgot to put on here that I just realized is so relevant. I can't believe I forgot to do it. On that note of some games getting delayed, mm-hmm. um, Final Fantasy VII Remake, some of the physical copies just won't be available to customers because there's a lockdown in that area or they can't ship them out in time. Digitally, some of these games should be fine, but we might start seeing that more and more. Hashtag all digital life. Exactly. I I, I can even tell you, and I have to like bite my tongue because like, but I'm not going to. I'm talking anyway. (laughs) How many people go? Why should I? Why should I buy digital over physical? I'm like this. This is why right now. Because Holden foresaw the pandemic. Physical more. Yeah. Just in case a little pandemic happens, you got your digital games. I'm still not buying digital. Sorry, Holden. (laughs) <laughs> except for pc because i'm forced to yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. good luck PC. finding physical for pc <laughs> then a pr agency tells us that the playstation 5 launch won't be affected by coronavirus says brianna reeves from playstation lifestyle great it's also from a, just a note here it's also from a pr agency as opposed to like sony themselves exactly. saying it first of all and like engineers or like anyone involved in the actual manufacturing process like supply chain Honestly, though, I, I buy it. I don't. I think again, I, I we've do. talked this before, but like, I th- I think a shortage is much more likely than a delay. Mm. Even if they can't make a lot of them, they'll release ten of them before they release none of them. Obviously, we don't know what the future is going to look like further into this spring and summer. Like, if you would have asked us four weeks ago whether any of this would have been a thing, we'd be like, no. What the fuck are you talking about? They're not going <laughs> to shut down all the like, movie studios and everything. But I mean, it is what it is now. Oh, I'm sure our conversations have aged like milk oh, in the back few weeks. Oh, I love a good old milk. Good curdled milk. I have an update on coronavirus like from Josh Hopkins. Okay, once we're done with all this, we'll, all right. I'll just mention that quickly. Uh, moving on to our delays section John of Hopkins, coronavirus. Josh Hopkins. Ubisoft may be delayed when it comes to Rainbow Six Siege update, says Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks, as well as Super Smash Brothers Ultimate DLC. That development may need to stop indefinitely. Don't do it to me. Says Matt Perslow at IGN. Yeah, Sakurai has said... Um, that the, the, he's missed meetings with people that has caused delays and things like that. But I'm I'm not concerned about that 100% because, uh, well, he has two years to get all six of those characters out. <laughs> so, uh, we predicted this last week and we were correct. Uncharted movie production delayed due to coronavirus. This Chandler Wood at PlayStation Lifestyle. <laughs> Didn't take long at all. <laughs> and The Witcher Season 2 production shut down over coronavirus concerns with Brandon Reeves at PlayStation Lifestyle along with literally the rest of all Hollywood and filming. Like, nothing is filming right now. Bruh, that's mm-hmm. news to me. I'm so disappointed right now. Really? Yeah, yeah it's it- like, I'm not, I'm not mad because the thing that needed to happen... But yeah. it's disappointing. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It is it is it is the right thing to do. It's for the safety of everyone. It's for us to all get this under control before it freaking I mean it's already blown up like crazy, but before it destroys the entire world. Mm. But man, it's disappointing that all this like we're gonna we're gonna go through a two very distinct periods before it gets back to normal. First is gonna be this period where we're like, oh my god, everything's coming to streaming and on demand early. And then there's gonna be the part where like everything that got delayed, we're gonna have double the shit this fall we're like oh my god we're swimming and shit and then there's gonna be a drought for like six months while everything that got delayed like couldn't come out and then we'll be back to normal will it though never we're gonna be this is gonna this is gonna be a permanent scar on us but there are some good things gdc 2020 now scheduled for august oh twist you guys didn't already know that (laughs) says dennis patrick at game ranks (laughs) Uh, speaking of the Sonic movie, sorry, doing Brent, that was ruined well. early for you. We're so so sorry. I'm just so, so bummed, man. I swear to God, dude. <laughs> speaking of Sonic movie being great, happy place. 
You should watch Sonic, <laughs> and you can starting March 31st in your home because they're releasing it digitally early. Dope. Along with a shit ton of other movies, too. Uh, Gamescom 2020 plans still ongoing amid coronavirus pandemics, says Brianna Reeves at PlayStation Lifestyle. That is the uh, ginormous, literally over 300,000 people every year go to it thing in Cologne, Germany. It is scheduled for August, end of August right now, and they are cautiously still selling tickets, hoping that everything blows over by then, but we'll see. And then finally, Razer, popular company that makes computer accessories and all sorts of gaming peripherals, shifts some production to surgical masks amid coronavirus outbreak, says Nicole Carpenter at Polygon. I think this is a really cool thing that, like, we're not in a Absolutely. we're not in a state where the government can order companies to make things to help the government out, but to see companies be like, "Hey, we've got some extra bandwidth, or we can help out a little bit." That's really cool to see these companies take that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of companies that are making those kind of shifts too, and taking some of their workforce yeah. and saying, "Hey, let's help out the world a little bit." I, I want to call out Elon Musk here, who said he tweeted out and is like, "Hey, if things get bad enough, we start, we might start making ventilation masks." It's like, dude, we know that's going to be a problem. If you're going to say that, just start doing it. You look like you're kind of a piece of shit right now for saying you might do it if things get bad. It's reached that point. Yeah, like those ventilation masks are going to be very, very important. Anyway, sorry. Uh, actually, we're at the end of the coronavirus stuff. The quick update on like. Uh, how it's looking in terms of worldwide total cases, recovery. Uh, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. I was, it was the week before. I was talking about how the rate of recovery was outpacing the number of new cases, and boy, had that reversed by the like last week. Yep. And now, holy shit, has that like continued in a bad way. Mm-hmm. So right now, there are 330 cases worldwide, which is up more than double from last week when we last talked about this. But the number of recovered patients... 330, that's it? 330,000, yeah. 330,000. If you... You, you missed the thousand. Yeah, maybe I cut out. Oh, did I? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm thinking in charts, all these numbers represented in thousands. Oh, yeah. That's how I'm speaking right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, 330,000. There's only... There's less than 100,000 people have recovered now. So it used to be that the rate of recovery was about half. Like, we had always been about half the people who are sick, like, have been recovered. Now we're at a third. That's not great. And if you look at the new cases that are being introduced, China, thank God, is leveling off and dipping downwards slightly now, which is good for, like, manufacturing stuff and that kind of, the economy and all that. But then you look at the rest of the world, and it literally is starting an exponential growth right now. That's kind of scary. So, like, people who were, I was not super on board with this being an epidemic. Now I'm like totally on the train of this is super concerning. We really need to take action. Don't leave your home unless Stay you absolutely at home. have to. Mm. Yeah. Do not go to spring break oh my because God. you've been waiting months for this. All of those you, idiots. You guys see out that video? There. Yes. Those freaking idiots out there. We get it. We get it. There's that my mom was telling me about this thing. I don't know how accurate it is, but she was telling me about the uh, thermometer company Kinza has a smart thermometer that will like sync with your phone and things like that. And part of its like data collection, privacy things that I don't agree with, but that it does is it will then like heat map all over the United States where there are fevers. And the week, uh, the couple of days that that happened, Florida lit up bright red in uh, in fevers all over that state. Of course, it did. Yep. Well, especially you think about spring break. You have people who are dancing incredibly close to each other. You're not even talking inches. Like, they're touching each other as they're all dancing and hopping up and down. They're probably 
not to get too explicit here, but like having sex with each other a lot. That's what people like to do in spring break. Drinking, you know, gross. beer with each other. Chugging. Gross. Ew, human beings. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like think about how think about like over the you top sound exactly like, like behavior. Like you sound exactly like Steve Buscemi when he's trying to pretend to be a high schooler in 30 Rock. Like, what's up, fellow <laughs> other kids, or whatever he says? You're like, there are kids I was, out there I was probably like that having in sex, high school drinking anyway. beer with each other, <laughs> chugging it. <laughs> That's how kids do it, right? <laughs> that was really good. Thank you. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, the point stands, though, that, like, they're... They're acting in the worst ways you should be acting in an epidemic, and they're coming in from all over the country, yep. and then they're going to go back to their homes again. Like, that was literally the dumbest thing they could have done. I wouldn't be surprised if they are alone responsible for a huge uptick in the number yep. of cases in America. It's going to happen. Like, I, I just, I'm so beside myself with that video because I am Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Hello, fellow kids, <laughs> about this. That's one of my favorite memes, by the way. I love that meme so much. He has a music band t-shirt, and that just (laughs) seals the deal for me. I love the music band (laughs) t-shirt. Let's move on. We've got one more quest log, the Nintendo quest log, to talk about before we get into our main quest, which is going to be comparing PS5 and Xbox Series X spec and marketing. Um, So let's talk about Nintendo, which had a good thing this week. They had an Indie World Showcase uh, on the 17th of the month. You can go watch that on YouTube, or we'll recap Probably the most important things are the things that we liked here. Maybe. Yeah, you don't need to talk about all of this. Yeah, there's a Not lot that was announced. Um, a lot of things we've seen before, but maybe we got a new look at. Or maybe there were games that have been released elsewhere. Like a, there were a couple of Apple Arcade games on there that are now finally coming to Switch. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the things on here that you guys were excited about? I'm going to start by I'm going to start by saying uh, the oh, fuck. Where is it? The Hello Games game. What's the name of it? Last Campfire from Hello Games. He looks good. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it before. I think it was E3 we saw it maybe. Uh, and I remember mm-hmm. it because I was like, man, that looks like, like the characters look exactly like straight out of Journey. It looks like a ripoff from Journey. But the game itself looks good. <laughs> it's coming this summer, 2020. Uh, I'm very excited for that one. What else stood out to you? That's st- that is a standout for me. Baldo looks fantastic. It looks like uh, that's the Zelda-like game with kind of that Nino Cooney art style. I think that looks fantastic. But the first game they showed off, Blue Fire, that game looks sick. Looks so good. It almost has this like car- very cartoony Dark Souls style looking gameplay with heavy platforming elements to it as well. I think that looks really interesting. I'm excited for that. I don't remember that one, Blue Fire. It's the very first one. If you start playing the event. Just skip ahead. Actually, just oh yes, 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 yes. Also, if you just good. Google Blue Fire game, you also get a lot of the Ice Dragon from Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I think outside of that, um, I was I'm I'm intrigued by it? the Cyanide and Happiness game. There's a, a oh. Cyanide and Happiness, the comic strip that you see online all the time. Like it has a very particular style, and the comic strips are like. As I see them in my Twitter feed or things like that, I was like, huh, that's funny. I like that. That game did look kind of cool. I like yeah. that. I like the look of that game. Coming to summer 2020 as a timed console exclusive. That was kind of the story for, I think, almost everything on this list, or most of the things on this list. It was like, it was time, either exclusive to Switch or timed exclusive to Switch as well. Yeah. There was another game that spoke to me, and I can't remember 
what it was. Something new. Super Liminal looks really cool, but they had talked about that before. That's like the game where like it's puzzle based perspective. So like, yeah. if you you know look at a cube and bring it really close to you, and it becomes very oh. big, it's now actually very big in the world as well, and you can play with that in some interesting ways. It looks like that's cool looking. One that I don't I hate to complain about something. It's not even just it's just nitpicky. If you're gonna name your game as something really really hard don't end the name of it in souls it's just way too <laughs> yeah. on the nose i'm just like i i'm way done with i'm let's let's stop calling things souls <laughs> yeah true the genre i think can be called souls like i'm fine with that but like you can't it be it's like when games name the legend of i'm like no you're mm-hmm. trying to be a zelda game and you're called the legend of like you cut it out stop I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't know. Legend of Dragoon. I don't think it was trying to be Zelda. So, if I say if it's trying to be Zelda, oh, okay, and they call themselves yeah. the Legend of, just like how this is saying we're a very difficult game that has a focus on bosses. It's yep. called Eldest. I'm just gonna call it. It's called Eldest Souls, and I'm like you, you're two on the nose, <laughs> two on the nose with it. Here's one. Exit the Gungeon coming from Devolver. It was already on Apple Arcade, but Dusty is such a fan of Enter the Gungeon, and he asked us to play Exit the Gungeon mm-hmm. and get back to him, and we never did because... No, I, I did. Oh, you, you did. did? Oh, Dusty, I want I did, you to yeah. finally play Exit the Gungeon I barely played Switch, it, but I did play it. <laughs> and I want you to give us a, a full rundown of it. That'd be cool. That game looks cool. It does look cool. And maybe I'll it play it now hard. that it's on it Switch. Very hard. I don't know. Apple I Arcade is definitely such a good value. IPhone. I just can't. I don't, I don't play. I just don't play games on my phone. It's just not what mm. I use my phone for. Yeah. In Exit the Gungeon in particular, playing that game on mobile was kind of difficult. I'm it, it, because it's coming to Switch and will have actual physical controls. I'd be more willing to try it out because it's hectic. It's it's very chaotic. There's a lot going on at any given time that you can. I feel like you need controls more precise than mobile can provide. Well, with iOS so 13, you can to... now attach a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox 360 controller. Or Xbox One 360. Thanks, Get out Craig of here, I was so confused for a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for our Nintendo Quest log. And before we get to our main quest, I do want to do a quick little ad read about Halfable Idiots. Oh, that's right. That's the sexy new brand under which Respawn Aim Fire Falls, as well as our other off-color Mr. Rogers type show called AAWI and also with you. This week's episode that we just recorded this morning for AAWI, all about quarantine and all the fun things you can do in quarantine and then the opposite of quarantine. Like, what are the largest things you've ever been to? I just farted. Um, video versions of our podcast are the only are only the first thing to come and we want to bring much more really cool things this spring and summer. And for that, we need your support. One, free, zero money it costs you to go to YouTube and subscribe to us and we need it. Because if we get 100 subscribers on each of these channels, then we can finally have youtube.com slash Affability slash responding fire. So if you're listening to this right now, Greg, person out there named Greg, My Greg Glassman, founder of CrossFit, <laughs> go to YouTube. <laughs> go to the description of this podcast. Go to the description of this video. Go to each of our channels. Subscribe for us. Even if you hate YouTube and you don't even like YouTube like me, do it anyway. And then just fucking ignore all the emails about when we upload new videos. <laughs> Um, you can also just go leave us a review on any podcast service you listen to. So you can also do it to all of them and stars are good, but man, we love words. Oh yeah. Words are our <laughs> affirmation. Words of affirmation. That's our love language, baby. Just tell it to me. Tell us how good you like us. <laughs> good. You like us. Get out of here. Finally, respawn aim fire has a Patreon at patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. And, uh, while it did initially pay for us to go eat at E3, we're now going to reroute those funds to not E3. And uh, if you want to support us, a dollar above gets you playtime with us each week uh, on weekly game nights, influence over what we play for the bar for each month, 
The poll is out right now for what we play in April, and we're playing Bioshock Infinite plus Burial at Sea DLC for March. And then finally, you get super sexy cool wallpapers for your electronic supercomputers. That's it. Let's move on to our main quest. I got, I got Holden one more has one well. more thing he wants to add. Oh, there's another game night. Yeah, so for Animal Crossing, we're going to have another game night. There's islands and that kind of stuff. There's a poll to decide what night that's going to be. I believe Friday is winning right now. Yeah, I voted so, for Friday. Okay. <gasps> I guess we better uh, so record Barf in the afternoon as well. then. Oh, yeah. We would have to do that in the afternoon. Or when I get back home late at night when I'm back from you know partying and stuff because yeah. that's what i want to do my quarantine <laughs> um what was i gonna say right oh, and we'll figure out kind of after the first night like is this gonna be like a bi-weekly weekly um we'll kind of figure it out but wanted to throw that in there as well dope hey do you guys want to you guys want to pick up my podcast under the affability it's like brand under our umbrella like- <laughs> <laughs> uh give us a call when we've got any money <laughs> <laughs> sponsored for free i'm okay with that Dope. <laughs> so PS5, Xbox Series X. They both had really uh, visible videos and presentations this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they both talked. They both talked. <laughs> and they had some things. We now know the most of the specs of both consoles, PS5 and Xbox Series X. Um, we have uh, PlayStation gave an entire hour-long presentation to what i found out were not real people the silhouettes at the bottom of the thing were not real people they were animated silhouettes that would only occasionally move to make you think they were real okay so i got really mad i did think they were moving i'm like they're moving they're not cutouts they're moving and it was like it was like uncanny almost it was yeah it it was yeah I that's because I texted the chat. I was like, "Oh man, these silhouettes, these cardboard cutouts," and, the, and then Brent's like, "I think I see one moving," and I'm like, oh, "That was me." <gasps> oh shit! Oh no, yeah, that, that was me. Oh, well, I guess both of us. Said it. <laughs> both of us said it. And you could like they were they were completely still, and then one would just like turn its head slightly, but no, they were animated silhouettes to make you think people are. Anyway, that's all beside I don't the point. Like that. That makes me uncomfortable. No, that's no, no, Chad. That's what we're talking about for the remainder of the episode. Is that you're the right, specs you're don't right. matter? We're not going to talk about any of that bullshit. Um, you can go find a spec sheet comparing both of these anywhere on the internet. If you throw a rock at your computer, it'll land on one of them. Don't throw a rock at your computer. But if you do, <laughs> do don't blame it rock? on me. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to read off a couple of things, just like high-level things about the two uh, that are conversation starters that we can either agree with or debunk. Um, but it was revealed that the Xbox Series X officially does have more teraflops 12 flops compared to the 10.28 of PS5. They both have the same amount of RAM. Uh, The PS5 will have less storage. It'll have 825 gigabyte hard drive versus the one terabyte of the Xbox Series X. They will have uh, some sort of storage solution, however. For the Xbox, you have to have, you can only buy one terabyte proprietary cards that you put into your system if you want to play Xbox Series X specific games. Uh, you can still use hard drives for older generation things. And uh, for PlayStation, while they don't have that proprietary thing, they, they are building it like the PS4 with the ability to swap out your hard drive really easily. However, the types of hard drives that are compatible with it right now are zero. And they're hoping to have a few suggested ones by the end of the year. Uh, so they're saying don't run out and buy one right now because it's not fast enough or it's not going to have the right specifications or it won't fit inside our system in order to really take advantage of the architecture that we're building. 
So, uh, all of that being said, 825 gigabytes versus a terabyte storage standard. Uh, and then finally, backwards compatibility. Xbox has been all in on this for a while. You will see Xbox original games all the way through Series X. Uh, whereas PS5, we only have confirmed that PlayStation 4 titles, I would love to see you further back than that. But uh, Mark Cerny said, we've been testing the top 100 titles and the majority of them will be playable by the end of the year. Uh, and then two days after Sony did come out and say, that was all talking about a test case that he was talking about specifically for that presentation. We've already tested hundreds and we expect the majority of the 4,000 plus PS4 titles to be playable at launch, which is still not all PlayStation 4 titles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they both feature some really cool audio tech for 3D audio. So that's kind of a comparison of the two systems. Before we talk about marketing and the presentations and all that kind of stuff and the, what developers are saying about it, what are your thoughts on, on the two systems themselves and how they stack up? <clears throat> um, I, I think that even with the SSD being significantly faster on the PS5 front, I think that all of these specs play in the favor of Microsoft mostly because the SSD is really cool. And we have a lot of quotes here from developers basically saying, I'm so excited. This is revolutionary. Uh, this is, you know, going to change the way I make games. And that's all correct. That's really going to benefit mostly the first party developers. It's not going to be as big of a deal when it comes to third party. Cause when you're making a third party game, you're going to have to shoot for the Microsoft target, which is still really fast compared to what we had before. Well, let's read that quote um, that you're kind of referencing. So, uh, yeah, so one comment from I, Richard yeah, Meredith, it. independent developer behind oh, Bad it. North, uh, didn't praise PS5 quite as highly, and he said, quote, Cerny talked convincingly about level design considerations with respect to streaming going away in next-gen, but that's not going to happen for anything running on PC as well. It's going to be incredible for PlayStation's first-party AAA extravaganzas, but outside of that, I can't see it happening. So that's kind of what you were referencing with, like, if you're building something to work yeah. across not just PS5 but everything else, you can't take advantage mm-hmm. of that. And just to explain, like, what the benefit of the SSD is, like, going to be, like, if you're making a world, like, an open-world game, and you have the village and you have the castle, and they are hypothetically 30 yards away from each other, well, they might be 30 yards away from each other because it's going to take you walking at that distance for the castle to load if you're going from the village to the castle. Whereas now, they could put them right next to each other, and they'll load in really fast just fine. But now if they want to place things in the world, they're doing it based on what's best for the game and the world as opposed to just what they have to do to get the world to load properly so it kind of like gives them a lot of freedom and flexibility but the reason that that's going to benefit i think on microsoft's end is that they're not going to change the world design for an xbox game over a playstation game they're going to make the same world and with the consideration of how fast the xbox ssd is but then it is i mean it's two teraflops fast um faster in the GPU. And that is comparable because it's the same exact architecture for the GPU. This isn't right. like comparing... The, they certainly talked about how the G, uh, um, teraflops and a PS4 and a PS5 are not the same thing. But in this case, they are much more equivalent than they had been in the past. So they, they will make the world for both systems, and then the castle will look better on the Xbox Series X. But you're going to get basically, and I counted on PS4's um, exclusive games, 18 AAA games in the next six years that are going to really benefit from that SSD because they're first-party exclusive games. It's really, really cool, and I'm really excited for those games, but the, the Series X is, I think, going to have the superior experience in the next generation. I just think from, like, 
I don't think it's going to matter. Going back to what you said about how developers are like, I forgot what you said. <laughs> but uh, talk about I said how a lot. Sorry, it's not going to matter for the the SSD because they're going to have to go back to like Microsoft standards. I think it's the same way for the teraflops. I think just because Microsoft has more power in the Xbox, that mm-hmm. does not mean even if they didn't have to bought like go to Sony's level, that doesn't mean you would ever use the twelve teraflops, like. Honestly, like I was told Holden before, I might go to Series X with my primary console just because of the anti-consumer stuff Sony does. But based off hardware, I don't think it's going to matter. I think one might perform like 3% better than the other. But from what we're seeing, I think the 12 teraflops could be just a marketing number because I don't think they're going to use that much. I hope I'm wrong because I'd love to see some powerful games, but I just don't see them really using everything they have. When looking at the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X, and this is something that Chad had even brought up when you, you have a One X, right, Chad? No, I have a One S. I feel like I remember you making this point a while ago, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, when when you have like the Pro enhanced games on PS4 Pro, it might be it's going to be higher frame rate or it's going to be uh, yeah. you know uh, high resolution. Whereas on the One X, you didn't have to decide; you got both, and that was because there was a two teraflop difference in the performance between the PS4. Pro and the Xbox One X. So I think that we've seen correction, that kind of benefit already. That was the promise of Xbox One X, and it has worked out for a lot of games. But for a lot of games, it is still very much a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that leans in favor of the of uh, in Microsoft's yeah. favor. I still think the there's last a generation. I still think there's a lot more like at stake than just a couple things of teraflops. Like I think mm-hmm. there's a lot more in consideration that makes that happen. Besides just like, oh, the GPU is a little more powerful. I still think it's, I don't know. I'm not a developer. I know I build PCs. That's the only like thing I have going for me. So I can't tell you. But at the same time, I just don't think it's going to do what a lot of people want it to be. They're still going to be beefy consoles. I just think they're going to be neck and neck at each other. You might have the one where it's like, oh, Cyberpunk looks amazing on Series X. Oh, this other game looks amazing on PS5. I think it's just going to be a give and take. I don't think it's really going to be that big of a deal. Can I offer one more example? Yeah, sure. At at the launch, uh, the difference at launch for PS4 and Xbox One was like super negligible. It was like the PS4 was 1.4 teraflops and the Xbox One X was like 1.31 teraflops. Like it was hardly mm. a difference at all, but you still saw differences like Call of Duty is going to run 1080p on PS4, but 720p on or 900p on on Xbox One. Like mm. that was one of the big stories at launch was like, look at the PS4 Pro can outperform all it was the for Xbox like a year One. And a half. Yeah. 900p on yeah. Xbox. This game sucks. <laughs> which is like it's it's preposterous like if you 720p 90 900p 1080p like you're playing the same game but that pushes out in the marketing and well not to get too much in the marketing side but like that gets not in the marketing that gets pushed out into the public as like a representation that this console is really bad and i just Mm. had this fear that that might happen against sony when they've spent so much of their it sounds like they spent so much of this console focused on ssd and yeah that's hugely important obviously it's revolutionary but it's like one's revolutionary and then one's super revolutionary they're both like really good on the ssd but we have seen examples in the past where that even a small teraflop differences can can lead to differences in frame rates differences in in resolution 
and especially when you talk about like ray tracing and and the audio uh, engines that are running in the background here like the better graphics processor is going to benefit on on the xbox sides in my opinion from based mm. on how we're just looking at numbers on a sheet right now obviously yeah. this will play out in in the next like, year and a half i want to read I through my head, uh, like- I want to real quick since we're kind of talking about all of these things and like talking around them. I want to read through some of these things that we have in here um, from Eric Van Allen at US Gamer. Naughty Dog, Ready at Dawn, and other developers react to the PS5 SSD. By far the biggest leap in my career. End quote. Uh, a couple of people, Kurt Margano at the co-director of Last of Us Part Two, commented on the SSD, saying, "Still tripping out about this PS5 SSD spec. Like people don't even know how big of a leap in terms of game design can be made, especially for first party that doesn't have to design to lowest common denominator. By far the biggest leap in my career. Can't wait." Anthony Newman, co-director of uh, co-game director of The Last of Us Part Two, also said about PS5. Most crucial part of Cerny's presentation, in my opinion, the SSD and the PS5 and all associated I.O. hardware is going to fundamentally change how we design video games by removing limitations we've been working around the last two gens. And then finally, Andrea Pacino, founder and CTO of Ready at Dawn, praised the PS5 as a dollar bet. Within a year from its launch, gamers will fully appreciate that the PlayStation 5 is one of the most revolutionary inspired home consoles ever designed and will feel silly for having spent energy arguing about teraflops and other similarly misunderstood specs. I do want to point out that before I read uh, the last quote of this article, which was the one we already t- talked about of uh, how it's really only going to benefit PlayStation first-party AAA titles, the SSD, I had never considered that as an, as, as an option. Like, I totally bought into all the marketing hype from both sides, Xbox and PlayStation. Be like, this SSD is going to be revolutionary. Things are going to load so fast. We're not going to have to worry about... Uh, Cerny brought up in um, Ration & Clank, how they, or Jack & Daxter, Jack 2, I think. How they were like, we purposely made this windy thing so that it would slow you down so we could load some shit. Now we don't have to make a windy room. But then that quote, it was like, oh shit, they do still have to keep making the windy room. They can't change the game design for things that are coming out on PC and they can't account for people who don't have these blazing fast SSDs. Or in Microsoft's case, it might have this really great fast SSD on the Series X, but they've already said for the first year or two they're not going to have anything that only is on that console so they've got to design the game for that older hardware too so they're not you're not going to see anything i think for the first couple of years outside of mm-hmm. playstation 5 exclusive first party AAA titles that's something that i'd never considered that was like kind of opened my eyes a little bit too this is really exciting yeah we're in the early stages of it but we're not going to see the benefit of it for years and on top of that these quotes that are super like you know uh, praiseworthy of of the PS5 are all developers who make games exclusively for PlayStation. Exactly. <laughs> Which it is very exciting for them. This is not yeah. like I don't think that they're being facetious or not facetious, but like I don't think they're um, embellishing to like speak to the brand and all that stuff. I think they're being very honest because for them this is huge. Yeah. They don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. That's very, very, very exciting. And I can't wait to see that stuff. But it's gonna take a little while for the industry to to catch up. There are some tangible benefits though already that we can see despite uh, not being able to like fundamentally change video game design today. Uh, there's a couple of video games. Uh, sorry, video games. God damn it. There's a couple of videos uh, out about uh, from Xbox uh, that show loading times comparing Xbox One X versus the Series X. And then there's also the quick resume feature with multiple games being able to jump between different games and, and save those automatically. I got to say the loading times one showing the difference. I was a little underwhelmed. With all the yeah, talk of like yep. from the PlayStation 5 event where they're like, Spider-Man jumps from one end of the city to the other in under a second. And then like watching mm-hmm. this, I was like, oh, it's still a good like seven or eight seconds of loading on the Series X. And I was like a little bummed out. 
And then they were loading State of Decay 2 on the 1X, and it was like literally a minute. I was like, oh, okay. It's not lightning fast and immediate like marketing made us think it was going to be, but it is still an incredible improvement over load times from the previous ones. I hope it makes Absolutely, things like yeah. Destiny like a lot better. Oh, God. Yeah. The load times in Destiny are some of the worst load times I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. It's literally, like, no joke, literally, cool, loading up Destiny, I'm going to go upstairs, I'm going to get a yeah. drink, maybe I'll make a sandwich and I'll come back and I'll wait a little bit yep. and then I'll play the game. Unless, go, literally, like, unless you're playing I on Stadia, and then it's, like, immediate. I'm like, oh, God, yeah. Stadia's so good. <laughs> Not. <laughs> <laughs> I put up Destiny and I go make eggs or something, and I come back, and I'm like, hey, let's go get you bounties. Now, Destiny's defense, they're sunny side up eggs, so you don't have to cook them that long, but you can still make eggs. <laughs> Oh no, I scramble, dude. I put the milk, like I put the milk in there and I like stir it and then I put like some oregano, some pepper, some cheese. Ooh, Ooh that sounds good as hell. Um <laughs> there are also a, a, another story here, Xbox Series X hands-on gameplay and controller with Austin Evans on YouTube. This is a 22-minute video that I skipped around and watched 3 minutes of. There are gameplay Did you watch the Minecraft portion? I did watch the, watch the whole portion. thing. It's good. Okay, that's that's the important thing I think. Wait, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh oh. There are the gameplay examples really shown good. from Minecraft, it is really good, yeah. showing the difference between Minecraft regular and Minecraft with ray tracing turned on, and it is staggering the difference between the two. Like, did you guys literally not see went the... holy shit? Go ahead, Brent. Did you guys not see the RTX Minecraft thing like a year or so ago? No, no, I hadn't. They when uh, when ray tracing was coming a thing with like the twenty eighty cards and stuff like that, and uh, the twenty series, like they, I think it's out or something. It should be like ray tracing sorry ray tracing minecraft and all that like it's out so i don't know seeing a lot of people are like oh this is cool i'm like well i mean it's it's been there for a little bit but it still is really cool like seeing the series x do it is still really cool yeah us console plebs this is all brand new to us <laughs> like, things can actually look great oh my god <laughs> i was surprised minecraft could look that good i'm like yeah. holy shit minecraft actually looks good i was very surprised i had the thought that like people with ray tracing turned on they may have to actually redesign their levels because everything without it on was like so bright and stark and it was like and then they turn on ray tracing and suddenly there was so much more like gradient between light and dark areas and like oh things mm. that they thought were visible before might not might actually be invisible with ray tracing turned on they may have to redesign I didn't everything consider they built. that because well, all so many games start off with that slider like hey slide until you can't see the image on the left yep and like they that's a huge consideration for game developers. Yeah, if they're like, oh, I put a candle on the wall and whenever it wasn't ray tracing and you can see everything, but now you can only see what's around that candle with the reflections kind of making everything else physical. I don't know, but it looked amazing. <laughs> Gears of War? Holy shit, that looked really good. Yeah. I mean, if that game already me, looks awesome, next... but man, it looks yeah. great. If you told me that was a next-gen game, I'd be like, wow, next-gen games look amazing because <laughs> it, to me, looked really impressive. You should play Gears 5. I think you would really I enjoy should. Gears 5. I should. I played two missions, and it was good. I just stopped playing. Story of my life. <laughs> two seconds. Story of my life. <laughs> all right. Uh, if you're interested, they also disassembled the console and put it back together and showed you all the pieces and all that fun stuff. That was, that was that a was really, really cool, cool part. That was really awesome. Like that, that was the 20 minutes of it that I skipped. He's um, been doing a lot of follow-up. <laughs> He's been doing a lot of follow-ups on it too, like on his second channel. This is he's been doing like a lot of like kind of like follow-up things, talking about more in depth about a lot of things. And it's pretty interesting. Recommend. That's Austin yes, Evans over well. on YouTube. Austin Evans. 
Does he have like a moniker that he goes by on YouTube that we should call out? No, it's Austin just Evans. Austin, it's just Austin Evans. Yeah. Austin Evans, great. <laughs> uh, I want to transition the conversation now that we know a little bit about the consoles. We've kind of talked about what they can do, how we f- feel about it. Uh, transition over to marketing and messaging. Uh, Holden, this was your suggestion that I think you wanted to bring to the table. And I think a lot of it stems yeah. from uh, the big mistake that was the PlayStation presentation this week. Was it a uh, mistake, yeah. though? I, Absolutely, yes. I feel like no. it was a mistake for a couple of reasons. It, the, the presentation itself... I feel like the heart of it was, I feel like it did have to be a presentation. They had to talk about it. It couldn't just be another Wired article or a spec sheet because as we kind of went over, there are a lot of categories where PlayStation doesn't stack up against the Xbox Series X. It's close, like hard drive size, Mm. teraflops, GPU, all that kind of stuff. It has, um, I, I can't remember what else the other thing was. But anyway, like they had to have this conference and I feel like the entire conference was Mark Cerny saying, here's the choice we made for why it doesn't have as much storage. And then here's me going on for about three or four minutes explaining to you why that was the choice. Like, they have to defend why this console is not as powerful as a Series X, and that's what I thought the whole thing basically said to me, is we're not as powerful as Series X, but here's why and here's the reasoning why we decided to do all that kind of shit. Which is fine. I think they. I think it was just like, hey, this is Mark Cerny's baby. Let's get let's let him get on stage and talk about it. I don't think it was them responding to Microsoft or anything. I don't think they're in a position where they feel like they need to. Like I feel like they're like, all right, let's get Mark Cerny up there. This is supposed to be for GDC. All right, let's just have him talk specs and talk everything about it. Talk to developers and things like that. I think the I think the whole issue with this, people are kind of looking at it like. Oh, like I definitely get that this is the first thing we've seen for the uh, PS5, but at the same time, I think people are like, either A, we're not going to get another reveal soon, or B, like this needs to be tailored for me. Like, I thought it was interesting just listening to the specs. I don't think it needs to be this grand spectacle. I guess like it's hard to wait, but I think at the same time, it's like I want to wait until Sony feels like they need to re- like show the box. And even then, when they show the box... What difference is that going to make for me buying the PlayStation 5? If I love Sony, I'm probably going to buy the PlayStation 5. The only thing that will deter me is the cost. But I think we both know what these consoles are going to cost in that ballpark unless they just go like, oh, $1,000 kind of thing. (laughs) I'm normally on your side about the the audience. Like this was not intended for us to watch. Therefore, we should like have a different hat on while we kind of criticize it. Mm. Uh, Because yes, this this was supposed to be something that PlayStation did at GDC to developers, probably not streamed for the general public to access or like be discoverable that easily. Um, but the reality is it ended up being, they had to because of COVID-19, like it had to be something that was streamed. They had to push it publicly and it ended up being marketing when I don't think they intended it to be marketing, but they didn't really have a choice. Mm. But they just like, hey, we got to put this out anyway. We have to talk to developers about our console. Uh, so I, I think that it was... They just took the same presentation and put it out there on the internet. Mm. Whereas knowing that it's going to reach a different audience that way, you had to tailor mm. the content. Otherwise, it's it it's going to be a letdown for a lot of people that are watching mm. it with the wrong intent. Plus, I know people talked about how, uh, oh, they hyped it up, but they didn't. They didn't, I, really. I, I, I feel like they sent one tweet and it was like, hey, Tomorrow, Mark Cerny's going to talk about the specs of the PS5. Yeah, and they didn't even call it anything cool. They said, like the tweet was like, "Come for like a deep dive into the architecture of PlayStation." It's like that sounds boring as fuck, but I want to watch it. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going to be way harsher on Sony here because uh, I agree with some of the things that are being said, but I, I'm all right. So I think that it's not that they hyped it up. It's that they just didn't read the audience at all. If they were going to do this event for game developers, they, and, and they had to make it this public thing. I think it's a really good point. I hadn't considered it quite that way, Chad, but they should have just waited and, and said, Hey, let's make sure we do something consumer focused before we do this event because people are jonesing for PS5 info. Remember, we, we started this path to, to the next gen back in April of last year when Sony started it with the Wired articles. So people have been waiting since April of last year, almost a year, to start getting like official information on this. And this is the first time that we've seen it. And I know that in that tweet yeah they did say it's about the architecture but they also said and how that leads to the future or the next generation of games or something like that which kind of implies like oh it's 50 minutes like are we going to see some stuff? Are we not going to see some stuff? And if you read the tweets on, other comments on that tweet, I mean, everyone's like, I've been waiting for this. This is the moment that, you know, it's going to, you know, open the doors to everything. Like, people were really, really hyped. But I totally agree. Like, it's a developer-focused event. We really shouldn't have gone into it with that kind of expectation. In their defense, too, really- that Future of Gaming was probably, like, the cheesy, awful title of the talk at GDC. Just like it was, like, <laughs> Xbox, like, their talk just a couple hours later was like, Series X and Project X Cloud and how it influences the future, yeah. like that. It's, but I agree. Yeah, yes, yeah. in the tweet form, that's not how it reads. Yep. So, but here's the thing: the whole like we have to talk to developers. Did did they did they have to talk to developers right now? Here's my argument for this: in the talk itself, Mark Cerny says the first thing we do is we tour the world to talk to the top 100 developers and get their input. That's when they figure out that they're going to talk to developers and figure out what this console is going to be and, and tailor the console and, it, and its development and its architecture to what developers are asking for. This event was not about launch. This event was talking to developers so that in three years, those developers are ready to release games. They should have just canceled this event and said, hey, we're not going to do it. We'll return to GDC in the summer, and we'll have that talk then. Because we're talking about a three-month difference in talking to those developers. I don't think it would have been as impactful as having a really bad first big presentation of this for consumers. Again, it's not for consumers, but because there's that hype and Microsoft has sewn so much of their box, not even just at the box, but like disassembling the box, putting it back together again. Here's what games look like with the ray tracing turned on. Like they've shown so much on Series X. Sony just, I, I think they looked really bad considering, considering that one of our concerns for the past leading up to this generation is I hope Sony doesn't get arrogant. And doesn't think that they don't have to talk about things. And that's what got them in trouble with PS3. And it's what saved them in PS4 was not acting arrogantly like that. Coming out strong. I mean, the first PS4 event was a Mark Cerny-led discussion of specs and the architecture coupled with gameplay footage. And here's what Knack looks like running on it. It's a brand new IP. Here's what Infamous looks like on it. Like We saw those things right out of the gate. And I, I feel like they look weak now. And here's my concern. Obviously, the launch is going to be fine. Even Xbox One and PS4 were you know, neck and neck at launch. So a million units each. Launch is going to be fine. That's not what this is about. What this is about is the timing of their messaging and giving themselves a response time. What if their messaging isn't strong when it comes out? What if they don't have a strong message and they waited too long? They have now not given themselves enough time to respond because that's exactly what happened with Microsoft. Microsoft 
they waited till May, months after Sony started talking. They started talking a bunch of bullshit about it's a TV, it's watching sporting sports, events sports, on this, like TV, the Connect sports. <laughs> And Ducks. it gave them you know, always online, and they had no time to tailor their message for the launch. And then after that, it was like, oh, like the it's not as powerful. It's you know, look at how these games compare. It's not looking as good. Like Xbox One's not as powerful. It had that odd messaging, and it really killed them. It didn't kill them at launch. It killed them in the year after, and so on after, and the years after that. So I feel like. I'm worried that if they don't absolutely stick the landing of this, it's going to really hurt PS5 sales. That That's kind of my concern right now. And a big part of that is if they were so arrogant to release this conference first, I'm really worried about what they're going to show next and, and if they have time to, to recover before launch. I have two things to your point. I think the the shorter one, I think, is you're talking about them being arrogant and not really showing it to a point i agree like i said sony's being a little anti-consumer on a lot of the things they could talk more but i think what they just did is like in a a sense they did take their pants down i feel like they showed everything in the box they showed all the flaws in the blocks they pretty much said the flops are not up to microsoft's level we know everything about this box the only thing we don't know pretty much is the price what it looks like and i guess gameplay and even microsoft didn't even show gameplay of like new games or anything like exclusive games so i mean technically we've seen spider-man i guess on the ps5 then well well i mean hellblade they showed hellblade 2 okay that but you know what i mean but i don't know i think for that it's they've pretty much shown what they need to show for us to Unless they're going to come out later on with something heavy anti-consumer. They're like, whoa, I don't want to buy this box anymore. I think they've showed so far what they need to show. And I believe they probably will do a reveal in like a month or two. And I think my other thing is like without saying like an asshole. And I really don't want to come off that way. I just I don't know why we're in a state where we always need to know stuff. And I think that comes down to like a lot of things like. Like when games go like two years without being talked about or something like that, like I get that they can come up and be like, oh, they just got canceled. But half the time it's like if they're not talking about it, it doesn't mean like they're just working on it. You know, they're just kind of like we're in a state where we always want information, but we want it when it's not ready to give. I guess so I don't understand why if they're not ready to give it to us that we think we need it. Like I would like to know what the box looks like, but that's not going to stop me from buying the PS5, I guess. I- my complaint isn't that they haven't shown the box necessarily. It's that they haven't. They chose to speak to developers before they spoke to consumers, and it's not again. It's not so much that like they they can totally take their time if they want to. If they have a strong message, they have a strong message, and there's still a really good chance that that PS5 event happens and we go, "Holy shit, God of War two buying ps5 day one like there's still a huge chance of of that happening i'm not saying they're completely Mm. doomed i just have a concern that if this is where they started 
and they thought this was going to be good messaging to start off with, it doesn't give me confidence that their next time they're going to show up is going to be positive. I mean, this whole year has basically been like teasing us. Like, yeah. here's the logo. It's basically <laughs> the same thing, but like, here's the logo. Here's the website. Oh, but it has everything on it, but it's going to come at some point. And, and I hear you that like, we are not entitled to information when we dictate it. We are absolutely at their mercy for when they want to to give out information because you're right. They know when they need to release this information probably better than anybody else does. I just think that in this specific context, because Microsoft has been so upfront with all this stuff, has been showing us stuff, has been showing the games running on the system, has been showing us the box itself, what the controller is capable of, like what their next-gen messaging is going to be. They have laid the groundwork for what going into the next generation looks like and how consumers think about that. And Sony, I know you said they don't have to compete on that messaging, but they do. Microsoft is their competitor. They have to challenge Microsoft and say, that's your vision for next gen, but here's our vision. And right now, they're just letting Microsoft talk about their vision. And if they, I was more comfortable with them not saying anything when I, when it seemed like they were going to, there's this possibility they could come out and say, Oh, so Microsoft thought they were really great showing off all this stuff. Turns out we're better. But instead they came out and said, hey, here's a really boring, dull event. And by the way, we're not better. And we don't show up to trade shows anymore. We don't do conferences anymore. We have no word on when we're ever going to hear anything on this this console. Obviously, we'll hear something before the holiday season. But like, what does that really mean? And mm-hmm. I just feel like they've put consumers in this really awkward place for people who do pay attention to this of... Well, that was a dull introduction, and I don't know what to expect. But I do know what to expect from from yeah. Microsoft. And I definitely hear you. But I think to a couple points. I think um, with the event, I think they did tailored a little bit to consumers because they said a lot of things. I'm sure developers know. Like they, I feel like Mark Cerny did mm-hmm. kind of dumb it down to like, hey, this is what I an SSD that, yeah. is, and like all that. I just don't think they did it. Yeah, no flashy. game developer was like SSD. Interesting. Like <laughs> pencil and paper writing it down. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they just didn't do in the flashy firework like boo 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 kind of like thing that. Yeah, yeah. So like if you if you can watch and like sit down, you might find enjoyment in it. But I definitely mm. hear you on a lot of it. Like it is kind of weird when they're like, oh, we're not gonna go to this show. We're not gonna go to this show, but we're gonna do this. Like okay, well, where what were you doing with that time? But at the same time, I also think it comes down to, uh, I don't know why my mind just blanks for like two <laughs> seconds. <laughs> no worries, you're good. Uh, I, I'll say I don't, I don't know if I agree with their silence um, and, and necessarily pulling out of the trade shows and things like that as arrogance as it is uh, in this instance with this conference that they just put out, maybe a a touch of ignorance a little bit, but not necessarily arrogance with the way that they release this information. Um, But I do, I do feel sure. I just want the arrogance and like they have acted arrogantly before we have talked about how we're concerned about maybe them being arrogant coming into this. Mm. This isn't a great sign. It's kind of like, but not necessarily that like they were being super arrogant. It's just that that has been a problem for them in the past. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I feel like they, I feel like they are going to have a different strategy as far as what generation means. And uh, you're right. Microsoft has been like, it's not a thing. There are no generations. So it makes sense for their marketing to kind of like fluidly flow from series from one X to series X. Whereas PlayStation wants to make, uh, they've, they've stated where they want to, they want to sell like a shit ton of PS5s at launch. Like they've stated they want to make this a bigger leap. And I think that's just the messaging for that is different. 
And the marketing for that has to be different to convince you, yeah. you need this box this fall. Whereas Xbox has been like, look at this cool new box you can get if you want, but also you can play it on all these other things too. And you can play it on a toaster if you want too, but we don't care. Just play our <laughs> games. Like you have, you have to do that differently. Uh, I don't, <clears throat> I'm not a marketing or a PR person or a professional in any way. And I don't know shit about how they would do that. But I do feel like they probably are just working on that strategy strategy differently. And I, I'm cautiously optimistic and I trust that they're going to have something worthwhile whenever yeah. it's revealed. And if not, then I mean, I'll get an Xbox. I mean, I'm getting both anyway. It doesn't fucking matter. But also, I think, <laughs> I think you are putting a little too much on like messaging in general for like how that directly relates to console sales. Like I know that right at, right at launch, they were neck and neck for PS4 and Xbox one. Uh, and yeah, the messaging for Xbox was atrocious right off the bat. But I think I personally put more stock into the fact that PS4 came out ahead over that year because of price point. And I honestly think that with these specs being lower than series X, that might happen again this time where it's able to be 50, 60, a hundred bucks cheaper than series X. Uh, the trick up Xbox's sleeve is that I think they have another lower powered console that's going to be even cheaper than PS5 and it's going to totally fuck that up for them. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't think messaging directly correlates or directly has an effect on like sales in a, in that much of a fashion as I think the stock that you put into it as well. Mm. So I'm cool to it's wait and, and see how it comes. It's more of a ripple effect. It wasn't that Microsoft's messaging was so bad. It was that mess Microsoft's messaging was so bad that then gets leaked into how people online talk about it, which then leaks into how, you know, well, first of all, how publications talk about it, how like video game journalists talk about it, and then how people talk about it. And then it leaks into, hey, um, I'm mom and dad and I'm going to buy a console. Um, I don't know much about consoles, but I'm going to ask Johnny over there who knows a lot about this stuff. What should I do? Oh man, Xbox fucking sucks, man. They're like, you know, uh. they're going to have online. They're going to have this always <laughs> online thing. They're not even as powerful. Call of Duty's playing at 900p, not 1080p. Like, you got to get a PS4. Uh, that, that's, it's not so much it's like mom sees that Sony had an event in March, where Mark Cerny was a little dull and boring while talking about the PS5 specs, it goes, "Oh, I'm not buying my son a PS5." I don't. It's not direct like that. It's just that it ripples from how mm. we talk about it to how other publications talk about it to how super fans talk about it, how like Reddit talks about, it, Twitter talks about it. That that creates this negative perception. Like that's what happened with Microsoft is that they didn't have a strong message. They didn't have enough time to respond to the message. So all the press was kind of hitting Microsoft across the face, just like Stadia is getting hit across the face. Yeah. Like, there are great positive reasons to play Stadia, but like it's considered a joke in the industry. So why would I buy that? It's considered a joke. That's that's kind of the concern. And when PS3 faltered at the beginning, they were riding high off of PS2 selling 150 million units. Well, not at the time, but like they were one of the best selling consoles at ever at that time, and they still faltered going into PS3. So I just, it's not that like I don't think that there's going to be really poor messaging from Sony. It's just that I think that if anything, it's going to be a great conference when they finally talk about PS5. Mm -hmm. It's more likely going to be really great than really bad. I think there's almost zero chance it's going to be as bad as Microsoft was <laughs> in 2013. Like, that's definitely not going to happen. But my concern is that if there's things that are not spot on in their messaging after having waited so long, yeah. because they're waiting so long, they have less time to respond. And that negative press has built up already because of what's happening right now. And it will continue. That That's my concern. I think... Uh, I think... It just comes down to Sony had like this. I think 
Sony had this game plan of what they wanted to do, and they had it mapped out. And then there's just Microsoft that came out like, all right, we're just going to say everything. We're just going to talk about it like immediately. Like we lost last time. I We're just going to say everything. And Sony's like, well, shit, what do we do now? Like, I, I don't understand. And also, I was going to say, I agree with Chad a lot. I think it go, it Microsoft definitely messed up last generation, but I don't think it was just because of their press conference. They, it was bad. It was a bad press conference that added a lot to it. But it was also, hey, we're going to bundle in the Connect and make it $500. And we're also not, we're also going to make it to where you can't have pre owned games. We're also going to do mm-hmm. this really anti consumer thing. You're not going to be able to connect to the internet. I mean, play offline and stuff like that. I don't think, like, I think you're saying, like, correct me if I'm wrong. I can't say what you're saying, but like, I think you're saying like one bad, like, uh, press conference or something like messed up Microsoft thing. When I think it was a lot of things that they said, like the, like, you know what I mean, just like features and stuff like that that led to the downfall mm-hmm. instead of just like having one bad reveal or something like that. So I don't it- think Sony could have really screw it up that much. It wasn't that I never said Microsoft had one bad reveal. And that's what did them in. I mean, I think the full narrative would be they had the May event that was way later than Sony. Sony had already set up the standard of what next gen mm. is going to look like in terms of, uh, of of how they presented it. And then it was three months later. Microsoft starts talking. They fall flat in their face. E three a month later, they fall flat in their face again because Sony's mocking them and. <laughs> Uh, with the whole like here's how you share a game which leads to game journalists mocking them which leads to this kind of bad perception that's kind of already built up in the industry and then that goes to the launch where the games don't look as good so you have all these stories saying well here's what an xbox one game looks like compared to a ps4 game and by the way the resolution's better on the ps4 like it's those it's that buildup of of stories over time and again like the the launches of both the consoles the xbox one and the ps4 were both day one sales of million units sold so it clearly didn't impact the the launch because the the people who are going to buy Xbox or who because they want to play Halo don't care about that. They just want to get mm-hmm. the console. But it's the afterwards. It's when the public perception has kind of been solidified based on mm-hmm. all of this negative press. That's when you start to see the difference. And suddenly a year later, Microsoft saying, "Well, you know, console sales aren't really that important. We're not going to talk about that anymore." <laughs> like that's that's when they finally started to, uh, started to do that. Um, so it's not that I feel like this specific event is what's going to to cause you know PS5 to you know to be doomed like I'm I'm not saying that I'm just saying that they haven't proven this generation's you know press cycle that they have this like super clear message that they're willing to offer consumers their narrative right now is they don't go to trade shows and conventions to talk about this. They only do it at State of Plays. By the way, we're not even going to talk about PS5 at all outside of these two Wired articles in 2019. Here's the logo. Here's this website that like has no information. And they've just been constantly teasing us. And I had kind of thought, oh, they know they have the big guns. They know that that they can compete with Microsoft. And then they released this event that says... Well, I mean, the SSD is really great, and then everything else doesn't look as good as Microsoft. And mm-hmm. I know I take your point, Chad, that like Series X might be more powerful. I don't know if we know that yet. Sure, the the, the graphics card on the Series X is more powerful, but the SSD in the PS5 is more powerful. That could balance out. Yeah. Like if you look at the spec sheet, um, even the RAM on Microsoft's machine is they have 10 gigabytes of really fast RAM, and they have six gigabytes of 
fast RAM, but just not as fast. And that might be a cost-cutting measure to kind of get it more in line where they think Sony's going to be, where that these could be similarly priced, and then there's the Series S that's actually like way cheaper. Yeah. Like, we don't really kind of know what that vision looks like quite yet, but I think that right now, Sony's on this trajectory of they haven't proven themselves in the messaging, they have to stick the landing. The longer they wait, the stronger their message has to be. And it's got to be soon because they promised us hundreds of consumer events across 2020 when they bowed out of E3. <laughs> they did. <So>. <laughs> they did. <laughs> well, that's it. Everyone tell us all about your thoughts in 280 characters or less uh, on Twitter at Respawn Name Fire. <laughs> um, we don't have a game on game show for tonight because I fucking forgot. So that is the end of our episode. Everyone, go play Bioshock Infinite for Barf. Tell us your thoughts on that before Friday afternoon. Uh, go listen to the Uncultured Opinions podcast starring Brent Gillahan and friends. Um, yeah. Am I saying your last play name Play Doom right? Eternal. Yeah, Gillahan. Is it Gil- Gia- 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 Is it an Like in Spanish? <laughs> uh, yes, go nah, play Doom Eternal. Gillahan. Go play Animal Crossing. There's an extra Animal Crossing game night happening this week. Probably Friday night, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, and then go vote. Hey, for... if anyone has if anyone has PC, we can do some battle modes on Doom Eternal. Uh... <gasps> Wait, is that is that not crossplay? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. No. Well, then go to PC, do some battle mode. Don't do it on PS4 because I don't plan on playing it. So you'll be by yourself. Here's so you can no find out. If you go to Doom Eternal and your username has like a, a phone number after it, <laughs> then it's a crossplay game. There you go. Yep, that's the trick. <laughs> um, great, everyone. Is there anything else, Brent, that you would like to plug before we leave as our special guest? Thank you so much, by the way, for being here. Yeah, no problem. I, I love talking about Doom. I love it so much. Uh, I guess I've been streaming Doom Eternal a lot on Twitch. So Porkchop 118 YT, check that out. I'm doing a Doom retrospective that I'm really proud about on YouTube. So Porkchop well, 118. Awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be highly edited, and I'm really looking forward to it. So check that out those take a lot of work so like props that's awesome yeah it's a lot i've I've been working on assassin's creed one for probably a year because like i it's ambitious and the script for each video has to be like top notch Mm -hmm. it's a lot so check those out i guess that's all i really got that's awesome what was your twitch uh channel again twitch is porkchop 118 yt and youtube is just porkchop 118 who would have guessed dope if you have trouble remembering that it's the school that hey arnold went to he went to ps 118 (laughs) true story (laughs) alright everyone thank you so much for listening until next time here's our usual sign off I gotta pee I gotta pee so bad that's it